0: hello oh, hello there
1: tgif
0: tg-i-f-f
1: T-G-I-F-U. <laughs> there,
0: it's all taking a turn <laughs> wait a second i didn't yeah. i didn't go down that road
1: i know you were <laughs> talking about the fantastic four i get it yeah. <laughs>
0: gone. you went down the you went on the fitness unlimited road
1: oh okay very good
0: That was the nice thing about going to the gym I used to go to, Fitness Unlimited, because people would say, what gym do you go to? And I'd say, F you.
1: Top of the morning to you all. This is Sneaky Dragon. I'm Ian Boothby.
0: And I'm David Edrick and top of the evening to all of you. I thought I'd cover i cover all the bases.
1: I'm uh, auditioning for the role of uh, Hannigan, oh. the uh, children's entertainer who's a leprechaun.
0: Oh, okay. And a series has
1: been on for like 30 years, and uh, I'm figuring that guy at some point has to retire. And once he retires, I'm going to try and take over for him. Is
0: it, is it still on the air?
1: Uh, this is a very good question. Oh, okay. You're just uh,
0: assuming. You know, we, You're assuming. You
1: had to, you to like, bring that up now. Mm. I've got to like... Uh, check check this Harrigan, I think is his name. Now that I'm thinking about it, uh, why are we starting with
0: this? Uh, oh <laughs> my god,
1: it's all gone terribly wrong. Funny.
0: Listenership yeah. falling away in droves.
1: No, in fact, uh, the show hasn't been on for a while. I re- it, it went it went off in uh, 1985.
0: I remember when we had 30 <laughs> listeners. Now we have 15.
1: It, but it did, yeah, it did. 85. Yeah, I know. It's amazing I didn't get a reaction to that. <laughs> uh, it started in 1969. Uh, okay, and then it uh, wrapped up in 1985. Hmm. Uh, not under scandal or anything like that. No, no. Uh, no. It just was. A, yeah, it was a Canadian children's show, and he was a leprechaun. Uh, he came to our land like a hundred years ago or more, mm-hmm. and um, you know, danced around and showed cartoons. And uh, I guess taught crafts, something like that. And uh, <laughs> that's what they uh, did. There was a lady named Miss Sunflower who would deliver the mail on a unicycle, and that was played by the guy's um, uh, wife. Okay. So she was Miss Sunflower. Keep it in the family. Yeah, and uh, his daughter was also uh, was his co star.
0: Yeah, keep it in the family. That's you yeah. know because they're not making that much money, so you gotta
1: you gotta, gotta pool spread, it all. Yeah, you gotta
0: pull pool that pool that money. <laughs> yeah. So
1: here's here's the thing. So uh mm-hmm. he left yeah. uh, he left that and he he uh, uh there was he was a promotions manager okay here's the thing Okay. He was a promotions manager back in the day
0: at the or, TV station.
1: Yeah, at the at the TV station. This is like it could be concurrent with the uh Hannigan, I, Harrigan I don't know. But I'll just tell you he sure. had an idea for a, a lunchtime variety show. Oh, uh oh, People oh. went uh, no we're not interested. <laughs> okay. He gave them the old Fitness Unlimited.
0: <laughs> well, that, and, that's uh, a reference that comes from. Well, you know what? Now I have to put that on as a cold open.
1: Now you have to put that on as a cold open. <laughs> and then uh, and then started a pizza company. Yeah. What uh, pizza company did he start?
0: Uh, I'm gonna guess uh, Pan- Panagopoulos.
1: Godfather's Pizza.
0: Godfather's Pizza.
1: Yeah, started Godfather's Pizza. Oh. And and yeah. He, here's the thing. Yeah. He would do all right. Here's what he would do. You could, you could earn an extra slice mm-hmm. or topping yeah. if you did something. Yeah. What would you do? Now, this is related to the Harrigan TV show.
0: Oh, I see. So if you – was there a song that was associated with the show that if you sang it, you would get a free slice and or whatever? You know
1: what? Technically, that would be true, yes. If you performed a, 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 a song or did a little jig for him – you would get yourself a free topping or uh, an extra slice of pizza.
0: So at this time, it was just a single restaurant, not, not a chain.
1: I guess he would have to have been in the room, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But if you spotted Harrigan mm-hmm. and went, uh, there he is, H-A-R-R-I-G-A-N, it's Harrigan. They'd go, here's your anchovy. A happy child would run back to his table we're well, like, I got the anchovy, Papa, <laughs> and uh, all, all, all the potassium. I don't know what helps is an anchovy. Something, salt, probably salt. Omega I think. three omega three. Uh, okay, anchovy. yeah, some
0: fatty acids. Yeah. yeah, fatty acids.
1: Father, I got the fatty acids we need. Mother will live. <laughs> and he said, "Keep dancing. She needs an anchovy a night to live." So Going down to the. Seems like, that
0: dairy. seems really expensive to buy a whole pizza. Mm. At a restaurant, have yeah. your child do a jig for, for the for the, the owner of the restaurant and then get one anchovy.
1: Well, what you don't realize is...
0: That's a terrible, terrible he economy.
1: Had to, he had to do it every night and then he became Lord of the Dance.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Michael Flatley.
1: Yeah. yeah but he was. I used, that was the Michael Flatley story. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> and something people
1: don't know is yeah. all the kids uh, from Lord of the Flies... Yeah. Uh, were real, and then they went on to become the lords of certain things if they survived. And Michael <laughs> Flatley, the Lord of the Dance. Okay,
0: words. okay. Yeah. Sure. That's the rule of lords. I love yeah. it. I love it.
1: Yep. And uh, they, uh, they shipwrecked on the island. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't know this because uh, they were having a book club meeting uh, for Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I think Lord of the Rings fans, and they went, let's discuss it on the open sea. Unfortunately, crash, boom, were the Lord of the Flies. Uh, you know all the stuff that happened, Lord of the Fly style, and then um, one of them decided to uh, you know learn a little dance. Came saved his mother's life by an anchovy and and uh, then became uh, Michael
0: Flatley. Do you think? True, do you think when story. William Golding wrote Lord of the Flies said he he was trying to catch? He thought if he just named it something like Lord of the Rings, he would he would just inevitably get a certain amount of readers.
1: Well, you know my Confused. theory is, of course, that uh, he did not write. Lord of the Flies, that was written by Ben Affleck and, and Matt Damon. And so, as a favor, he returned that favor. Okay. And then he wrote uh, the Goodwill Hunting for them.
0: Wait, but they, but the wait a second, year. William Golding. Yeah. Not Goldman. Oh,
1: okay. Well, I don't know.
0: <laughs> <the good> <laughs> William <laughs> Goldman is the author of The Princess Bride and wrote, I think he wrote Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, amongst other films.
1: And who Who's the person who's supposed to have written uh, the the other
0: thing? was supposed to, William Golding?
1: William Golding. What did William Golding read? Uh, right.
0: Lord of the Flies. Okay.
1: okay so William Golding <laughs> yeah. wrote Lord of the Flies. Yeah. Okay, but he did not write The Princess Bride.
0: That's William Goldman. Mm, I don't know about that. That story <laughs> does check it's out. A, it's too close, too similar of a name?
1: You know what? I thought they were the same person up until now.
0: Oh, okay. They're no, not. When's a British I do, writer? One's a British I writer. apologize uh, yeah. to
1: everyone involved.
0: You should. Oh my gosh! Another another apology that we have to work on and, and send out there to people.
1: Uh, it's an it's an uh, week for yeah yeah it really is. So okay, very good. Uh, I apologize to uh, Sir William, William Golding. I'm sorry you passed away in 1993. Yeah, I'm noticing that now. You know, uh, some say it was in mourning of the Harrigan series which you know had gone away eight years yeah
0: yeah really a long lingering death uh from from melancholy
1: okay well i feel like uh like an ass but uh, and now now i'm like of course playing this back in my head and going were there ever situations where i put those like (laughs) and and said that he was the author yeah oh i'm sure i'm sure
0: there were. you're probably making Uh, some hilarious riff on it and people are like i don't know what he's talking i don't know what he's talking about Ben Affleck yeah. and Ben Affleck and, and Matt then, Damon, what?
1: No, and then, and then, you know, they wouldn't, oh, jeez. I'm just wondering how many people, oh, no. I've got to find a time machine. <laughs> I feel terrible
0: about this. You know what? Uh, you know what? It's all water under the bridge. It's fine.
1: Okay. He wrote uh, All the President's Men, though. Okay, that's good.
0: Yeah, yeah. He wrote quite a few films. He's yeah. a well-known film. He wrote, wrote The Great Santini. It's a good good movie as well. Okay, and also he Robert wrote to, uh, ma- uh,
1: Marathon Man. Not,
0: That's a, nice. not such a good movie.
1: Yeah, but I just wonder, like, if you if you write Marathon Man mm-hmm. and then you go to the dentist, <laughs> does, does the dentist go like, you know what? I didn't, I didn't fucking need that in my life. I don't need you make my life harder, bub, with your Marathon Man <laughs> bullshit.
0: But right? here's a point. It is what this point. This is a point in William, William Goldman's favor is that Lawrence Olivier's character is not a dentist. He he is just torturing. He is torturing Dustin Hoffman's character by pulling out his teeth. He is not a dentist.
1: Okay. But
0: so he doesn't like go to the dentist office and then the dentist turns out to be a maniac who starts pulling out his teeth. It's it's, you know, it's a, it's a, the angel of death from the concentration camps who is is pulling out his teeth.
1: Sorry. You're incorrect. He is a dentist. Uh, Dr. Christian uh, uh, was Is he? Yeah. He's a dentist. Oh shit. He's he's a former (laughs) Nazi dentist. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. In the in the
0: book, in the book.
1: In the book, yeah.
0: Okay, well, I have to apologize. I'm gonna make it official now. But I have to apologize <laughs> for confusing Dr. Christian Schnell with Joseph Mengele, aka the Angel of Death of the concentration camps. I thought the film that they were one and the same. Apparently, I was wrong, and I apologize. Okay. However, oh,
1: yes, oh
0: wait, I still right, don't like the movie.
1: Movie in the movie, you're yeah. right. He is not necessarily a dentist. You were correct, but in the book, he is.
0: I see. I've only I've only seen the movie. I, wait a second. You know what? Scratch that. I think I've read the book, so I have no excuse. <laughs> no excuse at all. My only excuse is that I read it as a teenager, so that's my excuse. All right. Well, we've all learned something. I today. read. I would read the books of movies I was not allowed to watch. So um, that was my end run.
1: I would still say that movie put so many people mm-hmm. off of dentists. Like I understand,
0: but not off of running. That's a weird thing.
1: Fair enough, but here's what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Here's my initial connection was like, oh, you know, like you confront the author about this, like as a dentist, go like, thanks a lot, buddy. In mm-hmm. the same way that, like, say, uh, a shark would talk to Peter Benchley or you know, or Steven uh, Spielberg, and go, thanks a lot. Shark- sharks
0: are sharks are talking to Peter Benchley.
1: Yeah, well, this is the thing. It wow. They would go like, you know what? I didn't need that for my reputation.
0: No, that's and true. Then,
1: and then what popped in my head, my noodle yeah. was like, oh, uh, Roy Scheider in both both films, Mount Marathon. Man that's right. He's uh,
0: he is unbelievably Dustin Hoffman's brother. The most ridiculous yeah. bit of casting, in well, not the most ridiculous, but right. an example of ridiculous casting in a movie.
1: Yeah, I he think. made people scared of uh, uh, dentists, of yep. uh, uh, sharks, mm-hmm. and of um, Bob Fosse.
0: <laughs> but uh in the movie Roy Scheider is is the good guy. Sort of a good guy. He's he's like a he's like an FBI or a CIA, sorry, CIA agent who is who um the laurence Olivier character believes has given information to 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 uh, Dustin Hoffman's character. Okay, all right. But he gets off very early in the film if if my memory serves me and it's been a while since I, I saw that film. Quite a while. I was,
1: I was just thinking for a second like was there ever a sequel to all that jazz? And then, of course, I like was like, oh my gosh! Of course, it couldn't be because they used all that jazz, like all. The
0: jazz. It's, all it's all the jazz It's gone. It was all that jazz, so it's like, no, you can't. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And the porn par- par- parody also took it to the the, the uh-huh. farthest as well. Are
1: you gonna stay or are you just gonna let people have it?
0: Oh, there? you just let your minds wander, everyone. Just, just go there yourselves. I don't need to spell it out. Just follow that maze. I laid some breadcrumbs.
1: Good luck. Top of... Uh, the,
0: everything to you, <laughs> Thank um, you hey i just we, want to say something
1: oh please go ahead
0: last week i was dr peppering it up okay apparently a controversial choice this week another controversial choice i'm going with the uh cream soda this week so
1: oh Crush cream soda okay i right.
0: feel like that's a love it or hate it kind of a pop for people okay where do yeah. you where do you stand
1: it's uh, it's not something I would pursue. Like, <laughs> if, if I got one of those bins of, like, if it was like multi-flavored, yeah, yeah, I would probably start with the grape. Me too. I would go to uh, orange, nah. and I'd work my way probably the last. No, no, last one would be pineapple. But before pineapple, I would, I would have the. Oops, uh, uh, sorry. This is the, the, the uh, cream
0: soda. Cream soda would well yeah. it would would be a tr- trail. Yeah, it's one of my. It's probably my favorite of the non-cola drinks. Okay. Oh, and I would, I would just... Although, I, no, I shouldn't say that. Grape is my favorite, and then cream soda. Sorry.
1: Okay. I would then also, I would throw away the strawberry one. I would just throw it right in the trash.
0: I don't even know if I've had that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you to that. Uh, but uh, yeah, aside from that. And yeah, blue raspberry also. Right in the trash.
0: No, that's just garbage. Yeah, yeah, get, no, they're get just
1: lost. It's, it's complete garbage. Get out of here. Go to hell.
0: Um, <laughs> to say, they're just trying to fill the shelf at that point. Yeah, um, there's no there's no did, other purpose to it.
1: They did have a uh, they did have a, a pear one for a while. Uh, that was uh, that was you know it was okay. Mm. It was a novelty, but it, it's gone for good reason.
0: It was a little prickly.
1: Um, yeah, they had root beer for a while. Yeah, and such things. But yes, okay, very good. Um, I would say not my favorite. You know, uh, gun to my head, I would drink it.
0: Actually, when you say that, I kind of think now that the variety flat of those does not have pineapple in it anymore, but has root beer in it as well. Oh, but it's not like a it's not it's not Crush root beer. It's like Barks or something like that. Because whoever owns who owns Crush, it must be Pepsi. Because I, when I bought this, it was all all Pepsi. Oh, Canada Dry, Mott's Incorporated. Huh? Yeah,
1: there we go. Yeah, it was a yeah. There you are. Crush is a brand. Uh, Marketed internationally by Keurig, Dr. Pepper says here, Ah. uh, uh, Crush mainly competes with Coca-Cola and uh, Coca-Cola's Fanta and Sunkist. Oh, the war!
0: (laughs) That battle, the age-old battle.
1: Yeah, got me wondering what's in the Crush variety pack. By the way, Mm -hmm. this uh, this could not be more on brand for our show, (laughs)
0: right? Well, you know, I thought it was a nice little 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 detour.
1: This is—it's not. Yeah, this is exactly what people are expecting.
0: Uh, You—you know—you uh, wrong-footed us with your Harrigan slash Hannigan talk. So I thought I'd get us back on track. Oh, this looks like bullshit.
1: Um. So, uh, if if you yeah, if you go and get the Crush Rainbow pack. Yeah. Uh, from the Real Canadian Superstore. Sure. Uh, you're gonna get yourself an orange. Yep. You're gonna get yourself cream soda. Sure. You're gonna get yourself grape. Of course. And you're gonna get yourself root beer.
0: Yep. That's what I said. That's That's a
1: fucking rainbow? (laughs) Like
0: the rainbow is... Hey, buddy. uh, Root beer lives matter.
1: Pink, orange, grape, and brown. Look at that beautiful rainbow in the sky. I guess we're going to die. I guess nature... Nature is against us and we're going to die.
0: It's funny there's not like a lemon lime crush or something like that. It's that's, that's our lemon crush or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is, no, this is a bullshit. Stop calling it a rainbow pack.
0: This is making <laughs> me angry. Now that it was called Well, what you pack. would make me more angry is if I bought it and there was pineapple in it. I mean, blah. Yeah. So
1: Now they got, now they got me curious like if you uh, if America is more on the ball <laughs> this kind of thing.
0: <laughs> What's wrong with I like root beer. Like to me, that's when I would go to the cabin when the when the girls were younger. We would go up to my brother in law, brother and sister in law's cabin. Okay. And you know, we'd bring up some some goodies for the for the for the week we would stay there. Oh, and so I would cute. always bring a flat of the. I would always bring the rainbow flat because I I love all those I love all that stuff. Like it's all that's all great. Okay. So plus a lot of chips. That's... All
1: right. What I'm looking at here is Crush, but yep. it's Crush Pack uh, um, uh, Sticks. That you then used to make your own uh, drinks with. Well, that's well, life. that's
0: what. What do I want that's to do all the work for? It.
1: Yeah, that's uh, absolutely garbage. Huh. Oh man, this is uh, what a horrible world it is in America
0: right now. <laughs> do they? When they go to the shoe store, do they have to buy like a shoe kit and make their own shoes? Yeah, I think
1: that's how it goes. Everyone's a cobbler in America. Yeah, yeah, pick yourself up by your uh, <laughs> shoestrings. That's what they say. <laughs> wow, crush. All right, all right, crush Friday soda. Just give me. Give me what you got, like a soda pack, crush. Uh, you get yourself. Uh, no, they don't have it. No, you just look it up, and they go, "Fuck you." <laughs> it's
0: pretty harsh. I think I think crush is more of a Canadian thing.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Well, you know what I'm going to do, which I always do when it comes to situations like this, mm-hmm. is I go, I, I turn my attention over yeah. to the people that get it right, which is uh, the UK.
0: Okay, so, okay. So I'm going to
1: look at a, uh-huh. a crush variety pack. I
0: don't know if the UK is really the place to turn to for, for, for soda pop.
1: Yeah, what I got right now is Harry Potter's Puzzles and Spells, uh, which are a <laughs> series of, um, uh, yeah, it's a game. Oh, that's bullshit. Yeah, what's a, that's nonsense.
0: Yeah, well, England, is a, England is a wasteland when it comes to this pop. The first time I went there, their pop was sitting on a shelf in the heat. It was like a heat of summer. And you go into the store and you're like, hmm, you know it'd be nice, a nice cool pop. And then you go into yeah. the store and they're there sitting on the shelf. And not in not in a cooler. No, just on the shelf. As hot as can be. Just nothing like nothing more refreshing than a warm pop. Which I can see if that's your idea of like how you should serve it, why well, it wouldn't right. be very popular.
1: They serve it like beer, yeah. <laughs>
0: yes. Here, do you want this do you want this chemical concoction warm? <laughs> no. Yeah. No?
1: Okay, so here's here's the thing that comes up okay. when I look for crush soda yeah. in uh, America is a combination bottle opener and can crusher.
0: <laughs> well, that's an fu if okay. I ever heard one. <laughs> you put your can in; it's
1: got a handle on the top. Yeah. you just like slam her down, and the exact same. Okay, now here's the thing that I think is a bunch of bullshit. Okay, is um, they got two of these. One is. Can, cr- uh, can Crusher, mm-hmm. uh, so for soda, that'll cost you 13 pounds, okay? Seems a bit much, yeah. a little much, a yeah. much, little much for a much <laughs> there, but yeah. you can get um, the one for uh, a beer, Beer Can Crusher, yeah. 24 pounds. Hmm. What's that shit about? What's that about?
0: Because uh, their beer cans are taller, right? Actually shorter. The beer cans are shorter than the, than shorter. the pop cans. yeah. How are beer cans? Are beer cans like tall? Like, like they kind of look like those Arizona iced teas.
1: You know what? I wish I could help you in this, but I'm looking here at a. I said, look, they're crushing a Coke can in the picture for the soda. In the one for the uh, looks like a, a different type of you know for yeah. the alcoholic beverage. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking right now, and it looks like it's it's got the label turned away. So uh, I don't know.
0: Mm. Because remember the time, well, maybe it's a little different, because I was just thinking at the time that Nina was on the show and you'd bought those Guinness cans.
1: Yes, I did. And
0: those were quite tall, but maybe because they had that, that patented ball inside them that whatever it did, it caused it to foam up inside or whatever.
1: Yeah, and then, and then the next that thing was... that comes up there is a, a large all-American candy box, perfect for any
0: occasion. <laughs> what? what A funeral?
1: You're, you're going to get your warheads, yeah. you got your Butterfingers, okay. uh, and deep dish pizza chips. What? Yeah, that's not American. Also, <laughs> pears, bacon, and cheddar chips. Also, that's not...
0: Yeah, that's not... You wouldn't find that. This is now, garbage. He-
1: here's something that's disturbing to me. Okay. Uh, uh, now, I'm, I'm hoping these are completely different. Sure. But it says, Twinkies, Nerds, Theater Boxes.
0: Twinkies, nerds, theater boxes.
1: Which I'm hoping is there's Twinkies, separate, should be a comma, and now we're on to nerds. Yeah. But I'm thinking but otherwise it's nerds that are flavored like Twinkies. In which
0: case, ugh. <laughs> what if they're Twinkies flavored like nerds? Oh also ugh. <laughs> right? I can't I don't know I don't know if I've ever had a nerd.
1: Oh, you never have they're, they're like
0: right. small, they're like small little candies, right? Like little, little
1: small little candies. They got other you know, flavors there. I'm sure
0: I've, am sure I've had them, but I just don't remember them.
1: Yeah. You also get in the box, uh, Boston baked beans, which are candy coated peanuts. They would not, they would be the thing that you'd have at the bottom of your Halloween uh, bag <laughs> and you're hoping that your sister would have them. And then uh, a gigantic yeah. Charleston Chew bar, because mm-hmm. you know, you can't give that away. So they <laughs> So if you want the all-American, uh, you know, experience uh, in England, that's yeah. what you get. That's and you got a big uh, drawing of a flag with candy dancing around it. So there you go. Hmm.
0: Yeah. That makes me think of the ending of the Witt Stillman farm, Barcelona where they're, farm film Barcelona, where they're talking around the barbecue and, and the Spanish girls who are there with these American boys. They, they taste like American hamburgers and they're like, oh, these are really good. And they're like, yeah, you see? The hamburgers you have in Europe are awful, so that's your idea of what a hamburger is. But when you have like a real hamburger, then you know that that's why we like them but I mm-hmm. feel like that 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 representation of americanness in that in that all american box is like garbage like no one no one would willingly choose to buy that in the united states like that's not that's not their america that's not my America
1: yeah, I wonder if like it's a very popular
0: thing to say right now <laughs> if you uh
1: if you if you grow up in the u k uh, I just—I wonder what you think pizza is. It's such, a, such a sad idea. What pizza?
0: Is. Well, I feel that way about people who live in Chicago.
1: Oh, well, that's a fight I'm not
0: willing to have. <laughs> that just is a, a bur- little
1: joke. Like a burly bunch of folks
0: here. Not, <laughs> just a little I'm not joke. There. Oh, so, I still plan—I still plan to visit. Well, I'll just have to keep my head down. Here's
1: the thing about like Chicago pizza. Yeah. It's like you like you got it in front of you, and yeah, you're going like, oh god. No, I don't want that. And they go, like, okay, well, you could have a Chicago hot dog instead. Yeah. You go, I'll have a pizza. I'm fine. I'll have pizza.
0: <laughs> What's wrong with a Chicago dog?
1: A Chicago dog? Yeah. Um, uh, way too much business. Like, it's it. That is a try hard dog.
0: I like it. In fact, oh. you know, having had.
1: I, frankly, I do have a Chicago dog quite often. Yeah. I've got to admit, it's too, it's too much stuff on it, realistically. Hmm. <laughs> huh. It's kind of fun to, mustard sweet pickle relish yeah. I'm all for that. Yeah. Onion, tomato wedges, pickle spear, yep. uh peppers uh, as well. It's just it's too much it's too much stuff. Tomatoes, did Please. you say tomatoes? Yeah, uh, tomato tomatoes. wedges.
0: And then yeah, yeah. and then the uh and then the the spicy bean on top, which is, to me that's the one the one element of it that doesn't make any sense because it just rolls off. Like you can't. Yeah. You can't like unless you secure it with your hand. I don't know, there must be some sort of process. Well, I suppose too, if you live there you know how to do it.
1: Yeah, the pickle spear is also a lot of work, and we've already yeah, got yeah.
0: relish. So what <laughs> yeah, are we doing? Yeah, and then, a, and then you really soak
1: that sucker in celery salt. Yeah, like, yeah. There's a there's a reason you don't have celery salt on anything else.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, it's usually something you use in canning, but not really. Yeah, or anything else.
1: Like it's clear that it was it was it was clearly invented at a bar, right? <laughs> and they looked down and went like, "What do we got in front of us that ain't going into drinks?" Yeah. It was like, all this stuff, and there it goes. And I was like, "What do you got left?" I don't know. Celery salt, throw it on. There <laughs> it is. I have a couple of drinks, and uh, and yeah, it's fine. And I do have it, so you know, I used to I used to like having it at um, this place called Lucy's here in Vancouver. Okay, yep. Yeah, they yeah. would never even come close to making it the same way twice.
0: <laughs> like, their own they're, version. No,
1: I. Well, what, no, they didn't have their own version. No. Everyone just didn't know, <laughs> so it would just be this random, interesting. Mm.
0: No wonder you like that. No wonder you love random things like that.
1: Yeah, it would be served with a a shoulder shrug every time. (laughs)
0: Don't Don't pay for it if you don't want it. That's great. That's the Chicago way. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) But ever since I've had a a Chicago dog, I'll, I'll regularly have tomatoes. Not regularly, but if there are tomatoes in the fridge, like fresh tomatoes, I like them on the hot dog. It's good. But like I just have them with my regular. I don't try and reproduce uh, Chicago dog. I just have my regular condiments that I like, and then I add tomato to it. But I think it's really good. Uh, but I like kid, tomatoes.
1: As a kid, I remember times where we ran out of hot dog buns, and my mom would put hot dogs on hamburger buns. That's and, wrong. Uh, oh, it's awful.
0: But we we would quite. Uh, you know what? When I grew up, we hardly ever had hot dog buns. We would just use uh, pieces of bread that we would lay the the hot dog diagonally. Corner to corner, and then we would just fold up the bread around it and eat, eat it that way.
1: Okay, fine. And I'm
0: right. I am perfectly fine with that, and I quite like it. It has to be white bread, though. I couldn't I couldn't do anything else with with that.
1: Here's okay. I was in that situation once. Okay. And uh, well, more than more than once. And here's what I did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You take a piece of white bread. The more the closer it is to Wonder Bread, the better.
0: The yeah, yeah. You, you want it to be. Not, you want it to have a bit of roll to it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Not good bread. You want it to be not good bread. Uh, you want it to be like Wonder Bread or some such. You take, <laughs> okay. you, you take your toaster, you set it to the lowest setting there is. Okay. And then you fold it so that one side of the bread is in one thing and one side is in the other, creating that, that arc. And so the, uh, you put that into your toaster. It's like hanging on the top, right? There it is. And it, st- it stays in there because, of course, it's not good bread. Otherwise, it go <laughs> But it's up like there. And then you put it at the lowest that it is. Yeah. And then you take it out and you've made yourself a little hot dog bun.
0: Ah, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. I don't, don't. I just like, I, I just like bread, so I don't care. Mm.
1: I, I, have got to have a little tooth to mine for, uh, for a hot dog <laughs> again. Once again, this episode <laughs> so on brand. Like
0: if a computer right.
1: Listen to our episodes; <laughs> it, would, it would go like, uh, mention that you had them in high school first. Like you would have to say
0: that. <laughs> well, let me just point out before we go on from this topic, then that I, I could easily eat three of those.
1: Oh, very good! Yay! Yeah. yay, yay hooray! <laughs> three dog Dedric continues. Three dog Dedrick. he can eat three dogs.
0: <laughs> it's true. No probs.
1: One day they'll go like, "How'd he die?" Try four dogs.
0: <laughs> well, I used to eat four do- hot dogs, but I, I had to cut back when I got older.
1: Okay, to, that's that's fine. You
0: know, you gotta like, you have to admit, you have to recognize your metabolism.
1: I, uh, I have one of those uh, how-to-make-McDonald's-foods-at-home
0: uh, uh, situations. <laughs> is, that, is that like getting – so do you make your pops and then also make your McDonald's at home? Uh, you know, maybe. <laughs> Here we are, uh, Here we are outraged sure. about having to make a, a pop at home yeah, with that's a stick, and now, and now you're making McDonald's. Well, I was McDonald's. outraged there was no other option. <laughs> like,
1: if you want to do it, that's fine.
0: Okay. But, like, yeah, you know, <laughs> sure, there sure. There that's go. fine. But it's uh, we all know how hard it is to get McDonald's, so it's good that you can make it at home.
1: But it's nice when you're. It's nice when you're home and you're yep. like, I don't want. You know, I want to like. What do you got? What do you mm-hmm. got? And yep. it's like you know, it'll it'll tell you exactly the things to put onto your you know cheeseburger or what have. You, sure, exact sure. Ingredients. Yeah. So uh, I've been I've been making some burgers, and then one of the ingredients that I've been using now is dehydrated onions. Oh, a little crispy,
0: onions. the crispums or whatever they're called?
1: Yeah, you will dehydrate onions and you put the boiling water on it, rehydrate. Oh, them,
0: okay. Oh, I didn't that, know. And uh,
1: that then tastes like the kind of onions you get in a Big Mac. Oh, or really? McDonald's Cheese
0: Leader. Huh. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah, if you just try and like cut up your onions fine, uh, no dice. Nope, doesn't fly. Too flavorful? Uh, yeah. And uh, let me see if I can see what the seasoning is on the hamburger. Uh, yeah, Celery salt. A... Uh that'd be interesting, eh? What if it was? Oh, boy. <laughs> Then I'd seem like quite the hypocrite. Quite the hypocrite,
0: indeed. I, don't know.
1: I can't quite look it up right now, but that's I do funny. know that there's MSG for sure.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. It's a that's a popular popular uh, culinary a- addition.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a lot of salt and then thrown on some <laughs> MSG on top of there, and and there you are. And uh, they also recommend you. Uh, oh, here we go. This is this is the ha- seasoning that's on all McDonald's hamburgers. Okay. Okay, so if you're making your own at home, here's how you do it. Okay. Get yourself four tablespoons of salt. I assume that is not like a kosher salt. That's just a straight salt.
0: Sure. Two
1: tablespoons of accent, which is MSG.
0: Okay, Uh, that's not what what accent is.
1: Yeah. Uh, One one teaspoon ground black pepper. Okay. And then a quarter of a teaspoon onion powder. Uh, Shake it all together. Yep. And then put it into a spice shaker. That is on uh, every McDonald's hamburger.
0: Wow! And you put
1: you put it on yeah uh, during the cooking process. Never before.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. So yeah, the hmm. one the one difference is uh, they're big extra where they use Lowry's seasoned salt and then three tablespoons Lowry's seasoned salt. Yeah. Th- three teaspoons Jolly Time buttery seasoning. Hmm. Then crush.
0: Is it like piece. a pop popcorn seasoning? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Then the things they think cool. of. Crush
1: a beef bouillon cube. Then okay. add a quarter teaspoon black pepper. Yeah. And you only use that on the big extra. I see. Yeah. Never had one. And here's, here's my question to you. How did they scramble their eggs at McDonald's uh, for uh, scrambling eggs? How do they do it?
0: How do they scramble them? Yeah. do they scramble them in bags and they just squeeze them out? Onto the- they, do, they do not. Okay.
1: No. And this could be, uh, they say they did this years ago. And this was their way of uh, making eggs when they started. Maybe Uh, they make them differently now.
0: Okay, okay.
1: But they used equipment they already had. So knowing that, how did they scramble eggs at McDonald's?
0: Did they use the milkshake maker?
1: Yes, sir. Eight eggs at a time in the milkshake maker. (laughs) Uh, And uh, no salt or pepper was added.
0: Huh, interesting. I mean, that's fine.
1: That's a Hamilton Beach Drink Master.
0: So is that the uh, the choice of McDonald's for their...
1: That is the consumer version of the mixers they use at McDonald's. Hmm.
0: That's good to know. I'll, I'll never get one, but that's good to know.
1: Well, you know, one day, you know, you're a fancy man. You're like, you know, I like a good milkshake. Uh, I'll make, uh, I'm going to invest in a nice Hamilton Beach Drink Master. But, you know, maybe you won't. Maybe you'll just live your life without that. Hmm. That'll be fine.
0: <laughs> well, I just feel like there's only so many uh, appliances you can have in your home.
1: Well, how big is your home
0: going to be? Well, how big is it going to be? I mean, I live in a home now, so I know how big it is. I don't need to, (laughs) again, no no point speculating.
1: And you intend to live in that home for for forever. That's your forever, forever
0: home. I think it's our forever home until we downsize, yes.
1: Okay. But what if you, like, struck it rich?
0: Oh, well, then, yeah. But, I mean, I have no idea. I'm not that attracted to a big, big home, but I guess it depends how much you you, get. If you struck it rich or whatever, I guess, yeah. I'm more about property than about the size of the house.
1: Okay, all right. I
0: just want right. land. I want. I want to be a land baron. I don't yeah, want to. I don't want to be a land. house baron. All right. That's that's just sucker's game. No, you want land. That's where the okay. real value is. Uh,
1: if you want a nice chrome classic Hamilton Beach drink master, that is going to run you, by the way, a hundred eighty-nine dollars.
0: I, I just so. got my um I just got my, my evaluation for my, my home value evaluation for property taxes and I can see right there like what value my home actually has compared to the land it's sitting on. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> Not
1: much. Very good. I mean I think we could okay. We could sell this house, but what we'd have to do, it's a little tricky. Yeah. We'd have to take over the identity of our landlords. We'd have to somehow sure, sure. Uh, get them out of the picture. I'm yeah. not going to say how. Mm-hmm, nope, but nope. then I would have to take over uh, his identity. My wife would have to take over his mm-hmm. lovely wife. We'd yeah. have to dress up our cat as their daughter. <laughs> and um, we'd have to pretend to be them. Yeah. And then after enough time, we could sell the house.
0: Sure. I can see yeah. that working.
1: And, and the, the problem is also he's a celebrity.
0: So that makes it a little a little tricky. That is, uh, that is awkward. Yeah. That is awkward. You Any could,
1: ethi- ethical problems, of course.
0: Well, I mean, putting that aside.
1: Yeah, please.
0: Putting please that aside, it. I would recommend instead of that a uh, that you you know have a fake will in your favor, and then just sort of like get them out of the picture. And I don't want to be too graphic about this, but you know, just get them out of the picture. Okay. And then I think that would be easier, unless unless like the way that you're suggesting it. You know, it that sounds like there's a lot of problems. Like there's a lot of mishaps could happen. Right. You're just trying to, like, pretend to be someone that you're not. Well,
1: here's... Okay, here's where I think, you know... And again, I don't want to kill anybody, but if I did...
0: (laughs) um, I didn't say that.
1: No, I I understood. Now, look. Yeah. I know at least three magicians.
0: Sure, yeah.
1: Now, my feeling on this is... Now, I'm sure the magicians I know are good people Mm -hmm. and ethical. Yeah. But... They would know some unscrupulous magicians that are not doing well they okay. could use a couple of bucks. I, I thought you were
0: going to say both words start with M, so it's not that big of a leap.
1: <laughs> that's true. That is that is how uh, you connect things. You know,
0: what <laughs> All right, so, I'm a manager. Um, I could murder someone.
1: Uh, yeah, that's right. Cause you're, yeah, that's right. I'm a McDonald's manager. Oh, you could
0: double murder <laughs> someone. It's a double well, homicide. Well,
1: I suggest you putting them into a mixer.
0: Ah, I see. Uh, eight at a yeah. time.
1: Yeah, they, they pretend they're scrambled eggs. Um, <laughs> you no, know, what I would say is like a magician can on stage in front of a hundred people make someone vanish, and yeah. then you like, you can actually make a person vanish in front of all these people yeah. when everyone's looking. Mm-hmm. So clearly, this is the person to make a body vanish uh, that you got to get rid of, right? right. Like that, with no one looking, <laughs> well, what the easiest trick in the world. So you know, they <laughs> would be able to like you know, poof them away, whatever they do. And, uh, yeah, you'd, uh, you'd cover up your tracks, magic style.
0: That'd be good if you hired a magician to to kill someone for you, and you're like, I just want you to make them disappear, if you know what I mean. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, sure, sure, I know what you mean. And you're like, just get rid of them. Like, make them disappear. They're like, sure, sure. So then they like do like a stage show, and they make the person disappear. And <laughs> you're <all> like, yeah. <laughs> well, that's so perfect. Then you go in there and sitting in the green room, for the magician, I thought you said you're going to make them disappear. I did. They were gone on stage. Like, they're yeah. gone. There you go. No, no, I meant... Disappear, you know what I mean? Oh, disappear, wink, wink. But this does it again. This disappears in a different you know, way, and a different person, trick. person's yeah. still but alive. But it's even
1: more impressive. <laughs> like, you know what? Listen, I've got to so, give you these are great tricks. But,
0: <laughs> but I'm not paying but you. Is cut him in half? Ah, oh, that's great. Right. Right. That's exactly what I you did. Cut him in half. Ah, perfect. And then, oh no! Right. Couldn't you just like kill him with a bunch of swords? Put him in a box. Yeah.
1: And then what you find out is yeah. that uh, uh, the the person you're killing is actually a quintuplet and actually has been being murdered every show. You're like, <laughs> you didn't know this. It was like, oh, he really is good. keep murdering quintuplets. So good. You, you expect a magician sometimes to sure. work with a twin, but you never expect them to go full
0: quint. <laughs> no, no one expects yeah. that.
1: Exactly. Well done. Well done, you guys. And also, great seeing...
0: Not even the shark expected them to go full Quint.
1: Oh, I'm trying to remember what the name of those Canadian quintuples are. The Dion
0: quintuplets, yes. yes.
1: God damn it. God damn it. (laughs) Only I remembered that. Would have been mildly more amusing. Oh, well. Okay, that's fine.
0: (laughs) Mildly. That's right. You didn't get a reference. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, because...
1: yeah, it's here's the thing. Mm-hmm. A reference to the Dion quintuplets gets you two things. Mm-hmm. One, one, it makes uh, people go like, oh, yay! yeah, and
2: yeah, yeah. And
1: then the next thought that they have is yeah. they think of the parody that was done on like uh, this hour is 22 minutes and they go like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> okay. Or yeah. they go, you know, things didn't really work out for those quintuplets. Yeah. yeah. And they remember the sadness of what happened with mm, quintuplets. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, and everyone's bummed out. They're like, <laughs> okay, it's not worth going down this road. Yeah,
0: yeah. Third yeah, thing that could happen, you get a Canadian Council grant.
1: Yeah, you don't want that.
0: <laughs> okay, she well, I thought it was free money, but okay.
1: No, because then all of a sudden I got to write a TV show in French.
0: Oh my God, that's right.
1: That is that is way more trouble than it's worth.
0: And also a bunch of conservative politicians are looking through and seeing who's getting these things so they can complain about it.
1: Yeah, that's all they do. Yeah, absolutely.
0: They have a bunch of money, yeah. to these two guys, and all they do is a stupid podcast about chips or something. <laughs>
1: Do they just warm up doing that? I don't
0: know. Do they do the show hungry? Don't don't they eat before they do the show? They should really
1: eat before they do the show. Like I could see like in the oldie days because we would go out for dinner after the show. Yeah, that's right. Like I could see how our our original shows were pre-dinner. So yes, we were hungry. Yeah. You're correct. Yeah. Also, if you remember, the shows were shorter because we were hungry, <laughs> and we'd have a nice hour and a half show, yeah. and then we'd go eat, yeah. but now all of a sudden, you know, we're doing them from our separate locations and have access to food, and they go three goddamn
0: hours. Yep.
1: To the point where I'm like, well, I better stand up after this. Oh, you think so, buddy? see. Fuck. Yeah.
0: I hear you. I so hear you. So on
1: and so forth. Anyway. Uh, yeah, food. Hey, guys. Hey, snack food there. We've gone through it. We've done it. We've done it. We've done it. We've done
0: it. Done it all. How's, uh,
1: how how have you been, by the way? I didn't know if I asked you. We asked you a little bit, like, at the beginning of the the thing. How's your, how's your week been?
0: Oh, fine. It's been nice. I haven't been doing very much, so I, I feel like, I just, you know, I'm doing the coloring for Sparks right now, so my life consists of, like, a solid hour of television and then outside, Dave, outside. So, but it's been good. It's been good. I just... I just, we just finished doing, um, it just came out on Thursday, the newest listening party. Yes. Episode. I had a lot of fun with that because we did a top 20 of, of, not, of 2020. So my oh, favorite, right. favorite yes. 20 songs of the, of the, of last year. And despite, you know, there's lots of challenges for, mu- for musicians last year. They're, you know, almost all their major source of revenue dried up in in and right away at the beginning of the year. Everyone had to cancel their tours. And, you know, when they don't make a lot of, you know they don't make the kind of money they used to make from album releases and and things like that. Just those, those those aren't really so great anymore. So, but it's still, lots of great music last year. So it was really it was kind of fun. So you
1: so you picked your favorite uh, twenty, and then Mary picked her favorite. Or no,
0: I no, I just I just did twenty songs. Yeah, Mary's oh, okay. Mary's not as uh, Mary's not married to that idea. Say. Right now,
1: since she's had the uh, the vaccination, yes, uh, she's had both vaccinations.
0: Mm-hmm. Can she still enjoy music? <laughs> she still enjoys it yes all right yeah she, it's,
1: but, but but otherwise she's horribly damaged from it she's oh,
0: perfectly that's fine, fine perfectly fine okay. all right. but you know she's uh, still being careful she still masks up and everything because you know where she works she doesn't want to be that person you know right the person who brings it through the door so she's still pretty careful about it
1: no that's uh, that's really great but, i'm really i am really glad. it's nice when you see like the numbers of like people who got vaccinated and uh in in BC, and then you see like the who's gotten the second shot, and I'm like, I know one of those people. No one of them there. That's right, one of those numbers there. We
0: go. Yeah, we kind of got messed up by the uh, drug producers or the vaccine producers. They oh,
1: did she get messed up somehow with that?
0: No, I, I just mean like as a country, we got kind of yeah, screwed did, over. Yeah, yeah. Got screwed over by the fact that they closed their plant down or, or limited production anyway to to upgrade. I mean, I, I understand they're they're needing to like upgrade their facilities to produce more vaccine to help more people so you know you can't really you can't really begrudge them that but it feels like it you know it's just kind of not great but that's life
1: yeah it's nice that okay yeah this is the problem is of course we all want things to go back to normal-ish <laughs> or whatever it is i mean listen man it's the future you're living in the future anyway mm-hmm. shit's never going to be normal as in like it wasn't gonna be normal anyway because the future right so
0: there we go <laughs> Like, yeah, what, things are going to change no matter what so this you what's know, normal yeah. to
1: you technology is going man. the environment's going when it's like it's <laughs> all crazy and billionaires want to go into space it's all crazy okay so yeah, yeah. um but like that we went from having this uh you know uh plague to you know <laughs> oh I wish we had a vaccine i got a vaccine i have a vaccine oh that was pretty fast uh we want them
0: yeah with uh, more to come apparently
1: yeah that's the thing it's like You know, we're we're acting like you know we ordered a pizza or something, you know, and it was like uh, I want to make a uh, cure for uh, the new disease. Like, all right, coming up. I'm like, wait
0: a sec. And can I get get pineapple on that? Pineapple on a vaccine?
1: Yes, Canadian one. Oh, all right, that's fine then. Okay, you guys invented that pizza, so it's fine.
0: (laughs) Was that Hannigan guy? Was that Hannigan guy?
1: Yeah, Hannigan did. Yeah, the Irish leprechaun uh, (laughs) pineapple.
0: It was not. It was a Greek gentleman. Mr. Panagopoulos.
1: Oh, very good. Yeah, uh, rival to the Godfather. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Interesting.
0: Or pa- uh, no, it's not. It wasn't Panagopoulos. It was Papad- Papadopoulos. Just my that. Sorry. I'm just thinking because we hear we have Panagopoulos, but that name was chosen as a way as like kind of like a riding on that person's yeah, name. Yeah,
1: little nod. Yeah, it's the old uh, uh, Kolchak, Kojak, Wojak situation. Yeah.
0: When you hear the name Panagopoulos Pizza, you think like Greek people. You think the Greek people sort of this this restaurant they. They like their pizza that no it's a Mennonite guy who owns it. You know who
1: does not a like Dutch Greek?
0: farmer. What's that?
1: You know, You know who does not enjoy a Greek pizza? Who's that? My wife. Doesn't like a Greek pizza, doesn't like Oh, p- really, really, really doesn't like a Greek so she,
0: pizza. cuz she doesn't like doesn't like a vegetarian pizza?
1: Uh, we were you, you talking about, like just any vegetarian pizza? Yeah. There's a certain crust that you get at a Greek uh, pizza restaurant. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, it's a very different kind of crust that you get at an uh, Italian uh. restaurant. And you get it, and you're just like, mm, like I get, I get what she's saying.
0: It's like a I giant breadstick.
1: It. It's a little, it's a little breadier. Mm. It feels a little greasier to me. Yeah, yeah. Like I like it. I'm
0: fine. Me, with it. I'm fine with it too. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: but uh, I see what I see what she's saying. Sure, I sure. Get what
0: she's saying. But
1: <laughs> I feel that uh, with pan, you know, pizza Panagopoulos or what have you. yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, uh, they don't call themselves that really anymore. It's like uh, Pano.
0: Panago, yeah. Panago. Panago, yeah. Uh,
1: so uh, you know, I feel like they're uh, hiding, uh, you know, what they are. Like some people are, uh, so they just have <laughs> turned it, turned it down. Also, of course, you don't want to have, put that full word into your search engine. Though. Yeah. <laughs> that
0: makes sense. Yeah. No. It was a. It was a good. It was a good uh, marketing move.
1: Good for them. Good for them all the way around. Yep. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, we uh, we ordered a New York style pizza the other night. Very very nice.
0: What's a New York style? Is that a flat uh, like a that's thin crust?
1: Thin, uh, but thin, but foldable. I it's see slices that you can fold.
0: Oh, I see. Uh, is is that the, you, that's the essence of a of a New York pizza that you can fold it?
1: Yeah, basically. Yeah, okay. you want to be able to like get it on. Like you're going to be eating it on the street. Mm. You're eating it on the street. You uh, might eat it leaning over a table. Sure. but you know it's not a fancy pizza. It's, give me that slice. You take the slice, fold your slice after you put a little parm on it maybe <laughs> uh, and then you take, you can have it with a you know a napkin or a paper plate fold it up get outside um, num, 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 num. if you remember the opening to the tv show uh, you know may's career rest in peace louie uh <laughs> one of those slices off the top of those great new york slice so that and the, but the problem of course is the next morning you're like Oh, I do enjoy a cold piece of pizza. Let me have that from the fridge. Ugh, gross. you got to <laughs>
0: heat it up. you
1: got to heat up again. That doesn't work.
0: Do you think... Just thinking of Louis for a second. Okay. Since you brought him up. Sure. A, do you think his career will never bounce back? B, do you think that... Because when I think about the show Louis, I actually found it a very unpleasant, sort of uncomfortable show to watch. But do you think that we, we enjoyed that because we thought that he was like... Kind of a a good dad, like a regular kind of guy outside of the show, and so we were willing my, to like we we're willing to give him some slack.
1: For it was the- one of my favorite shows. Yeah, I really like there was so much innovation in it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the horror episode just blew me away. As yeah, like, yeah. Oh my god, this is you know, and it was constantly risk taking, and you know, I think I think creatively, it's again, it's one of these people is like creatively, <laughs>
2: creatively,
1: yes. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, the redeeming feature, of course, was. That he was, uh, you know, a good dad. Yeah, he was loving to his his kids. He was trying his best, even though he wasn't, you know, necessarily a good guy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, you know, was, uh, you know, you, you can identify sometimes with someone who's flawed. So that's what it was. But then again, the show itself was very innovative in mm-hmm. style, and the things they did. That scene where he throws the water um, <laughs> uh, container out of the window, and it landed, or the guy throws a water the yeah, yeah. lens on the car Yeah, it's insane yeah. that that worked and it's uh, just amazing uh, but yeah then you, again you've been a jerk in, in your life and that catches up with you and uh, after he did it no one was a jerk again and no one ever suffered those
0: consequences <laughs> <laughs> so
1: it all worked out mm-hmm.
0: just fine yeah, it's all good now
1: this has been yeah, it's been a weird. It, that was uh, a thing for uh, for me this week because I've met. We're of course talking about Joss Whedon a little bit, but if you wanted to talk about Gina Carano, you could also do that. There you go. You got that as an option. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's okay. She's doing movies now with Ben Shapiro, so she's fine.
0: Is that right? Uh, oh boy, boy. You know, when I heard about that, I was just my thought to myself is. Like, you're making good money. Why aren't you hiring people to help you, like, navigate social media? If, if that, like, you know what I mean? Like, it just feels like, I guess you, I guess if people think they're smart, there's just no helping them. That's, that's the end. um, That's the end result of, you know, like, there's what, cancel culture, consequence culture, whatever, you know, and you, if you're gonna, like, make giant steps like that, then, (laughs) you know, I like, that's, that's weird. I really like her oh, in no, Haywire. No. I didn't really, I didn't really care care for her character in the Mandalorian. I thought it was okay. I really liked her in the movie Haywire, the yeah, Steven Haywire, Soderbergh film. Great, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, it was very unique and interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, she. She was in town doing Deadpool, and she was like always around town with T J. Miller, and all these people had these stories about like, oh yeah, we were hanging out, it was fun, and all this, and that. And now everyone's got those stories. <laughs> it was just like. That's, that's a bad story on every level <laughs> you were hanging out with both those folks um, <laughs> but yeah I yeah. think you know you get into like here's the thing with her like that was like a, a real clear strike five you know on things like you know she did uh, you know, a lot of transphobic jokes and she was also saying the election was fixed and was like doing a lot of links to you know uh, bullshit you know uh, conspiracy things and there was just like tons of stuff she was doing online that was just like, oh, oh, and like on a wide variety mm-hmm. of dumb topics to be doing that. And then finally, you just crack open the Holocaust and go like, you know, <laughs> who's the real victims here? Right wingers. Because, you know, we're a lot like the Jews in the Holocaust. It's like, well, what are we going to do? What are you going to What's the option now? You
0: know? You're, yes. When you open that can of worms. Yeah. It's the key There's no. Like,
1: yeah. Coming into the party and going, la no. And like just ignore him. And then he like <laughs> spill some water on the table. And was like just ignore him. And then he pulls out the flame throwing. Like okay, you gotta, you gotta do something now.
0: I so mean, yeah. I, it's, you know, I feel sorry for her. I I don't think she probably realized the. Co- I I don't think people understand what they're doing on Twitter. Like I think that they they just don't seem to understand it. It's so weird to me. Like just. Well, it's it, out, it seems to bring out the worst in people.
1: Well, it's impulse judgment. Like it's something that you can, like it's not like something like if you had to write an essay and then send your essay out. Yeah. You know, just like well, I feel that as a person who believes in Republican values, we're very much like the uh, <laughs> Jewish people, the, uh, the, the, the you know, and the gay people, and the other people in the Holocaust. And let me explain why. And like if you had to write a whole page of that. By the end of it, you'd just be like, well, this is stupid. <laughs> I shouldn't send this out. But, it, but if, you can, if you can just hit a link to something. Yeah, I think she just retweet, you know, retweet,
0: retweeted, retweeted something retweeted anyway.
1: Yeah. Something, yeah, Retweeted something. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, then, yeah, you can send it out, like, while you're still hot. While you're still like, <laughs> oh, I'll
0: show them.
1: And then you send it out.
0: This is a real thinking. zinger. Yeah. This will shut them up.
1: And then, of course, you immediately, immediately get the hot. Of no matter what hateful thing you send out, like the most horrible thing you send out, you immediately as a celebrity will get a thousand likes. A thousand people that you don't even know are going, you're brilliant, you're brilliant. (laughs) And then, you know, uh, people who are actually saying things back like, whoa, Um, you know, they got to write stuff so it's slower than the
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 So that's (sighs) a and uh, Anyway. I recommend the movie Haywire, even, even if you're mad at her, I still think it's a good movie.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's the thing. And now she's going to be doing movies with Ben Shapiro, so, you know, watch her and Dean Kane and Kevin Sorbo, <laughs> all your
0: favorites. Oh, good, they're going to be in God's Not Dead 4.
1: That's right, why not, uh, and uh, what's it, it's the guy from uh, Growing Pains, that guy. Kirk,
0: Kirk Cameron. Kirk
1: Cameron will tell you how a banana shows Mm -hmm. that God exists. Yeah. Um, You know, and all sorts of things like that. And it
0: feels like the lowest thing that could happen to you is that you start acting in those pure, pure entertainment movies, those Christian movies. But you know what? Those movies make tons of money. Sure. And I bet you if you're, if you're, you know, if you want, you can get good money doing those films. Yeah, you can. I mean, Ray Wise, for God's sakes, was in, I think, was in God's Not Dead. Three or whatever it was. I don't even how. I don't know how many there's been of those silly films, but
1: yeah, they can yeah they can hire people. It's fine. And, and like the way that you get to see those movies is like at home. Yeah, you're ordering them on your TV, so it's like you don't have to walk into a video store and 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 go
0: go into know, the room uh, with the curtains around it. Yeah,
1: you know. uh, Jews control the media, please. <laughs> you, don't to, you don't have to ask for anything. You can just go
0: click. Oh, there it is. Jews control the media. Can you get me a movie about Jesus? Oh, wait, does he control the media? No, oh, okay, good for him. <laughs> he can green light
1: so much stuff. It's uh, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, we've I mean, we've talked about the Lucy Gay thing again, and it's just like, learn to apologize, you boob. Like, you know, it's just, again, Justin Timberlake's a little bit like that today where he put out an apology that was like, one of these like gentle breeze apologies that couldn't blow over like a car, a house of cards. Just like if I've done anything uh, in any way, I really what, do hope that
0: Sorry, what is he? What is he uh, being? Uh,
1: he's apologizing to Britney Spears for how he treated her in the past, and to Janet Jackson for basically like abandoning her when there was the controversy
0: of the uh, oh the you know, the wardrobe the wardrobe malfunction. The wardrobe malfunctioning. Basically, <laughs> basically,
1: let her take that all on the. Uh, on the chin, yeah. let's say the chin, and yeah, there's <laughs> some there's some meanness towards Britney, and now now there's you know a lot of uh, people talking about boy we treated Britney bad, didn't we? Yeah, kind of. Uh, so they're talking <laughs> about that right now. So that got brought up, and you know he's he's issued the gentlest of apologies. So you know eh, it's something, but uh, there you go, and, there it is. Um, but it's kind of very much you know the Louis C.K. kind of apology. It's like. No, actually apologize. You could actually legitimately, you, you could get away with this. You could totally get away with it. I know this is over You should, but you could. You could. All you have to do is legitimately apologize.
0: Apologize. uh, Make some jokes about yourself. Make some jokes
1: about yourself? Show some
0: humility. Show some humility.
1: You put these people's uh, uh, careers back by, you know. Uh, limiting, you know, shows they could do, and you threatened them that if they told anything, their curse would be over. So you owe them. You owe them. So you know, let's get some. What I don't know what it is like. They get some shows or something. Whatever it is, work it out with them. Talk it through with them. Oh, I didn't
0: realize that he had tried to throw a blanket over it all.
1: Well, that was the whole thing. It's like, you know, uh, they were. That's the thing that to me is the most, you know, heinous thing yeah. of, of it all. Like there. Was let's see.
0: Exam- let's say egregious.
1: All right, fair enough. Um, egregious, okay, um, because
0: character from you know, Star Wars.
1: It's, and indeed, general, general Heinous and General Egregious were very different <laughs> colored lightsabers for sure. But you know, there are people who you know uh, were consensual with the things he was doing, and it's it's again, it's a weird area. You're on the road, you're doing things, and I get that. Mm. You know, now we judge things in a different way than we judge things back then, which is you know, uh, you know, what is consent? And it's like saying, what is consent? But like, what is like, if you have power, <laughs> consent
0: to saying yes to something, no, but it's anyways. not, but it's, it's not. not. Oh, okay. It's not.
1: No, it's not. Because like, if you have someone who is in a position where they can't say no, mm. then their yes is still not consent. Okay. If you're there, if you're, if your boss,
0: I meant up, a heartfelt consent, but okay. Uh, our uh, health part, uh, yes, uh, yes, yeah, out, course, yes. Yes. Not a
1: forced yes. goes, Hey Dave, you're uh, you want to work this weekend? And you know, like, if you don't work this weekend, you're fired. Mm-hmm. Then your yes boss isn't a yes boss. That's
0: oh. There's, I'm glad you agree with my argument about how work work from home could be abused. But anyway, go on. Yeah, no,
1: no, no kidding. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was a, that was the thing was that uh, you know these women you know would say like oh he did this and and then you know they they were threatened by his people. Yeah. That if they said if they kept saying this they would, you know, not get work. And that's where to me the big line was was crossed was like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. You can in your head go like what I'm doing isn't wrong. But if you are forcing someone not to say the things that you did with them, then that's that is wrong. You can't you can't do that. Mm-hmm. They have the freedom they should always have people should always have the freedom to talk about the things that they that they did. Yeah. You know, and and, and that kind of thing. Otherwise we're in a very weird uh, area.
0: So, so yeah. yeah and a, I mean, a, and like, don't okay. Threaten people. Yeah. Don't threaten people. And then, you know, be sorry, be honest about it. You know, like, like if you did that with some people in a room, then, you know, unfortunately, you know, you've got to like, you know, you have to admit that it's, you've made then a public act and you have to this, you know, you just have to allow it to be public. It's that's this, that's the way it is. Well,
1: well, it's a weird situation in that when you're touring, and you're with someone of the sex that you have sex with, yeah. sometimes, you know, you're on the road, you're the only people that you know in this town, yeah. and things can happen. But if there is a power dynamic difference, then, yeah, you have to take that into consideration. And I understand that is more of a modern thought than it was in the past. Mm. So I could see, you know, it's like when he suggested to Sarah Silverman and she said this happened with the two of them, You know I would uh, you know, I'm going to do this. And she goes, okay, and she joins him. It's like okay, uh, then that's fine because they are about the same level in terms of power and what have you. So, you know, I mean, you can go like "ew," but frankly, <laughs> yeah, so much of anything like that is "ew" if you break it down. Yeah,
0: you know? like yeah, like Lisa and I have consensual sex quite often. We're married. Ew. Exactly. You don't want me to describe it. Ugh. It's all fine it's that's, great that's a that's a different podcast it's it's you know it's all it's natural it's life whatever, but you know just keep keep it in your pants people
1: yeah I mean I've toured with people and things have happened but it yeah, like, <gasps> but yeah, it's like that's part of what that is and like you know should you ever do anything with someone who's in your you know of the same job that you have mm-hmm. work that you have and it's like well there's there's things to be discussed and there's questions to be <laughs> and this is the guy who talks about this shit. Like, his whole thing was talking about the untalkable. And he would, like, break it down. And then this, for some reason, was like, shut up! You shut up! You say nothing about this! And I was like, okay. Well, now you're a hypocrite, and now you're an asshole, now you're threatening people. And so, yeah, no, fuck you. And uh, and it feels like, you know, the way that he presents it now is, you know, people heard that I did this, and now everyone's grossed out about it, and that's why my career is, is, is over. And it's not over. He's still a working comedian. I was like, eh. <laughs> Just you know listen, Jack. You could talk, talk about it. You know, but yeah. uh there you go. And then it bugs me that you know we have like uh Mark Breslin, you know, in Canada who's the owner of Yuck Yucks he's mm-hmm. making a big deal out of like freedom of speech and here he is and it's like yeah, but he's he's a jerk, he's being a jerk. That's
0: the thing, he like, hasn't made amends for being a jerk.
1: It's not freedom it's not, of
0: speech. It's not freedom of speech, it's, that's not the issue. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And now it's now it is weird too because um, with the Joss Whedon thing, I've met uh, I've met him a couple of times, and okay. my connection with him is uh, he's a fan of my wife's comic Why the Last Man. Okay, and when they had the final issue of Why, there was a big party at Meltdown in L.A., and it was hosted by him, uh, and uh, it was it was a really big deal, and he was very very sweet. And every time I've I've met him, he was sweet. Uh, to me, which, of course, means fuck all, means
2: nothing, (laughs) it's fucking nothing, right, as opposed, you know, when
1: you, when you, you know, it's connected to whatever he's done to anybody else or anything else, Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. so
1: it was just like, it was just another in a long line of, and of course, it's not all about me, but it's another in a long line of, well, that's a drag,
0: Yeah, yeah. you
1: know, these people that I admired, or I have a very pleasant memory of Sure. Is now like and hey, that one's got a big paint on it. Yeah,
0: I'm. I'm glad Mary just. She just went through a, a rewatching of all the Buffy uh, episodes. I think. I guess they were on, on one of the one of the streaming services, and yeah. so she watched them all. And uh, and I, you I, know, I I popped my head in on the odd the odd time and uh, to see. And so I'm glad she did that before all, all this came down. So it's...
1: yeah, I mean, listen, the series is still good. Avengers is still good. All these things are still good. Look, the mm-hmm. the, the the work is a different like to me. Is a is a much yeah. Different you got
0: situation it. to
1: the to the person. Sure. And something that does uh, kind of stick in my crop is when someone goes, "Well, of course, you could see this in their work because, of course, they had this and this season you saw this with this, and of course, mm, that shows that they really <laughs> feel this." And it's like, no, man, it's mm. like it's like when someone. Says you know uh, I believe Woody Allen did so and so. Oh, did you? Yeah, because in Manhattan he went out with this young girl. I was like, well, a character went out with a young girl. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like, that's that's true. I know. But you know, he wrote about it. Yeah, but I don't think Hitchcock killed anybody. You know, <laughs> I mean, I. By the way, Hitchcock's an asshole, and if you hear stories about how The Birds was put together, yeah, yeah, you know that's. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like I know I think. I think when you try and do that fishing for um, clues in a person's work, then you're, then you're in trouble. Then you're, uh, then you're going down a weird hole and going like, ah, because you know, Black Widow, she, mm, this, and that's why you can tell he feels this about women. Mm. Uh, you know what? He was a real asshole about certain things. He should make amends to these people. No one should have to go through that. That's fucking shitty and awful. Yeah. But yeah, I'm 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 a little bit different with the work. And again, uh, looking for your uh, your clues in the in the work towards you know uh, how a person is in real life.
0: Yeah, I just I just listened to a podcast the uh, other day. Um, I'm not going to say what it was, but there was a podcast where a man and his wife. He's a real movie fan. She's not so much, and they they watch movies. And so uh, they watch Manhattan. And her her whole take on Manhattan was all from, like, now. You know, like, looking back at it. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, just, it's kind of frustrating to listen to it because you're like, you know, so many of your complaints aren't directed to the time it was made. Like, you probably wouldn't make Manhattan like that now because, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> times have moved on in such a way that, you know, the idea of, like, a 42-year-old character going out with a 17-year-old character in a movie is just, like, would blow our minds, you know. But it's... But when you watch the film, it's not the film isn't necessarily like a recommendation that this is what you should do. The film is about people who are deeply messed up in their relationships, and this is what's what's happening in the film. And I spent a while since I saw Manhattan, so I don't I don't want to defend it too too rigorously because, like I said, I probably I probably not watched it in twenty years. So
1: well, um, anything else, I mean, anything comedy wise is going to go out of style. Like almost, almost always like in a certain ama- sure. in a certain period and yeah. then it will revive like, yeah. and then you'll be so far past it that you can enjoy it as its own thing, but it's like just at the, and also, you know, well, there's, there's yeah. a period now where you're like looking at this guy. Here's, here's the thing. I was watching one of my favorite TV shows mm-hmm. uh, called Spaced, this, sure. uh, Simon Pegg and uh, Jessica Stevenson, who is now Jessica Hines, now Jessica Hines. Yes. And the two of them, the two of them wrote, you know, the series mm-hmm. and season. Uh, I think I'm trying to say what season. Sorry. Well, one one of the episodes begins with a parody of uh, Manhattan, mm. and it's this beautiful parody that they do, and it's very funny. But it was like clear, you know, it was like this is fair game to be showing this as something you would do a tribute to. Yeah. and these are two, you know, young people that was like, uh, you know, doing doing this show in what, what year? Yeah, it was uh, 2000. They sure. were doing it. okay, and that was all. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's Manhattan. Of course, you do a thing of Manhattan. <laughs> Everyone loves Manhattan, right? You yeah. all love Manhattan, you know. And yeah, scandal had broke already, and all this other, you know, all these things. But it was like, yeah, Manhattan's amazing, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a reference point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they'd seen it, but you know, <laughs> for some reason, at that point, both of them writing this were like, it was fine. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh.
0: What
1: are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. But it changed. Yeah. That's right. A little
0: bit. Well, I, I think, know. yeah, I just think that, I mean, it's partly that, you know, wh- how we think of, of maturity now is a lot different than how people viewed maturity then. You know, like you were thought to be a person who could make decisions in your life when you were you uh, know, in, in your late teens. And I think we would look at that now and that kind of way of looking at people. And I mean, you know, it's just because... In the past, people grew up faster. I mean, their lives were, you know, not, not, most people didn't finish high school. They were already in the workforce when they were in their mid-teens, working like real jobs, you know, working in real horrible jobs, you know, and getting married young, having children young. So that was in the culture for a long time. And so, you know, it carried, you know, so even if things move on a little bit, there's still the, there's still that, you know, kind of anthropological carryover of of you know cultural norms or mores or whatever right where we are now you know we have a totally different idea of how mature people are in their teens you know we talk now about the fact that you know especially young men even at 20 you know still haven't fully developed their brain hasn't fully developed you know and they're you know doesn't develop until they're sometime in their 20s you know you know so you know that's just sort of changed how we understand you know uh and you know so i just think it's um You know, it's just, this is a different time. People had different ideas of what, you know, what, what was acceptable for teenagers to do or to experience and things of that. But at the same time, I do not think the movie is making a recommendation that this is what you should do. I mean, like I say, it's about, it's just about messed up people. And I think that the, the, the character of Meryl Hemingway's character is kind of a, a audience surrogate in a way. She's the naive, she's the naive character in the film. She's the one who's, who's kind of, who kind of, acts as sort of like a, um, a sounding board or some sort of like acid test for the behavior of these people around her, you know, cause she's just like this sweet, honest, good-hearted person and all around and she, her, are all these people and the, this. And
1: she rejects it by the end, yeah. Yeah.
0: And all these, they're all in like twisting and, and turning themselves into knots, you know, and, and, in all their, you know, greed and lust and everything. And, and she's just in status seeking and all the rest of it. And she's just like kind of floating through, through it all. And so she kind of acts as this, you know, like, I don't even know, do they have sex in the movie? Like it's been, a, like I say, it's been a yeah. lot, you know, been decades since I saw it. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, not so, yeah, that's like not so good. That's not so good. That's not so good. But yeah, I just feel like, again, again, yeah, it's, it's like just like different, different games. times, you know?
1: Yeah. It's weird. It's like, uh, I was just trying to think like. Did the, sh- did the second season open with this parody? And it's like,
0: yes, it did.
2: It opened
1: with a parody of Manhattan. They were like, this was the hippest show.
2: Mm-hmm. This
1: was the sharpest wit. Yeah. Uh, young people. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was like, yeah, Manhattan's where we're going with our opening. And like the very first episode, you know, uh, one, of the, one of the big parodies they did in there was of The Shining. And you're like, yeah, of course you would do The Shining. Yeah, yeah, of course you would. Now you think like, oh, wow, Shelley Duvall was really, uh, really abused in the making of The Shining. I don't know if I used to see the Shining anymore. Shining, mm. yeah, that's really tainted as well,
0: huh?
1: Mm. And yet that's like so everyone does the Shining and Shining is fine.
0: I don't think like, I don't think there's a movie where an actor wasn't abused by by Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, Kieberg, what, there's
1: so. a different situation when you see what what they what they were doing to Shelley Duvall in the Shining. Mm. It's very hard to like go, yeah, that was fine. That
0: was no, I'm not fine. saying it's fine. I'm just saying that yeah. <clears> some isolated incident for, for no, no,
1: no 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 it isn't. This is the, the thing too. It's director, like it's when, I was, when I was hearing the Joss Whedon stuff it wasn't ju- it wasn't in any way justifying what he did in any way mm-hmm. it was more like oh no no let's expand this out then mm-hmm. this is a good starting point to go from like okay yeah you shouldn't have said those things that's a that's also a bad thing to have done yeah. okay now those verbal things that you did were bad and there were psychological things but like hey everybody we're doing a lot of shining parodies now huh <laughs> maybe we could talk about that and uh, yeah. again itch talk hey you know Again, the birds pretty rough, pretty rough on uh, Tippy Hedren. Pretty rough. Let's uh, maybe we get a little talk about that, and uh, you know, artists and the responsibility mm-hmm. people have when they're making these things. And it's like, no, the most important thing is the work. The work is well, no, people, people along the way have to also be considered in this kind <laughs> of uh, situation. Um, but but yeah, I don't
0: want to I don't want to tit for tat, but you know, Tippy Hedren didn't expose her daughter to having half her face ripped off, so by a by by a lion so it's uh oh,
1: okay yeah there's a there's that all <laughs> a a for, for, for everyone I think, there's, I think there's also a thing too where uh and it just comes you know listen it's a, a lot of nerdy guys uh are messed up they're messed up mm-hmm. and so i think when you give them you know uh too much power sometimes yeah and no one calls them on anything cuz they're <laughs> fucking geniuses. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that is a recipe for oh shit, oh fuck what happened? <laughs> uh so so yeah, let's uh maybe call people on stuff as things go along.
0: Yeah, I think that's good. Like Mary hates uh Robert Crumb. And you know, she I you know, I I pushed her towards reading it when she was younger. Just cuz I think he, you know, I think he's good and so Thought, well, Mary might enjoy this. Oh no, <laughs> it's <Sure. laughs> it's not not for Ellie at all. And uh, but you know, I think that's good. Like I think it's good that you know, especially someone like that who's like kind of a sa- sacred cow of cartooning to have people you know new eyes look at it and kind of you know because I'm a nerdy guy, so I understand uh, the feeling of hostility towards women of feeling like you weren't valued for who you were or whatever you know. When the fact is, really, you didn't make much of an effort, but. You know you've i can understand that feeling, so when I read like my troubles with women, I'm like, I can see his point of view here, whereas when mary reads it she just it's just disgusting to her, so it's like it's like, ah, oh, how refreshing to hear that that's oh, good
1: yeah no it is it is good it also means hopefully she's growing up in a better or exists in a better world or mm-hmm. a more advanced world i am I'm, I'm hearing a little music in your background and I'm not oh,
0: sure a, i oh it's just a it may not i i'm i it's um it's a wind chimes. Oh, very. Good. We have wind chimes, and it's very, very windy today. But the oh, last three days have been really windy. We've, we've had a real. Yeah, I thought uh, you
1: were playing a guitar solo while we were.
0: I've <laughs> just been, been playing Guitar Hero while we were doing the show.
1: It's something that whenever I find myself in a position of any kind of power, in a uh, you know where I'm running running something. Yeah. I always try to make sure that you know things are open for people to tell me how they feel, and also you know. I've got real strong memories of like uh, working on the eleventh hour, um, and and having people go like, uh, "What? What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh shit, that was too far." And it's just like <laughs> you got to surround yourself because you're gonna get you're gonna get these tense moments. Yeah, where you know, you know, it's just like you you the
0: creative moment. Yeah,
1: yeah. You're 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 alone in this. You're trying to make a thing work. You, you know, you're trying to do a scene, and this one actor just won't friggin' do it and they're worried about something just fucking stupid and actory and you're just like, you know, but I think yeah, this would be better with the blue jacket. And it's like, we've gotta shoot this. We've gotta fucking shoot this because it's the only time we're gonna get. And you know, in your head you can justify, I'm right because I've gotta get this thing done. Yeah. You've yeah. just gotta get this done and the end justify the means. And you need to have someone there to just go, hey, all right, that's uh too harsh. Take it down. You owe this person apology. Knock it off. It's was like, oh, okay. So you always got to make sure that you've got huh, yeah. your, um, you know, your people around you who will call sure. you on uh, stuff. And uh, you're going to be frustrated at the time, and it's going to be embarrassing, mm-hmm. you know, to be called on that stuff. But like, it's going to make for a better space, and then uh, sure. you got you got to have it, even though you're like, oh, but why does it matter? <laughs> it's blue. It doesn't matter. Ah, okay, fine, fine. On the whole, will be, we'll be okay.
0: <clears throat> uh, sure. <laughs> I understand. Which is why someone like Gina Krana should have had a social media <laughs> person helping yeah. them, helping you acting want- as a filter. Acting as a filter.
1: Yeah. You want to say to her, have you got the same Twitter advisor as PETA? <laughs> hey, have you thought about the Holocaust? Compare the chickens to the Holocaust. No, don't. No, don't compare anything to the Holocaust except the Holocaust. You can say like, you know, oh, oh, listen, you could, if there's are there Nazis? Yes. Okay. Nazis marching. You can compare to Nazis. Yes. Mm -hmm. Nazis to Nazis is fine. Yeah. That's fine. But anything short of Nazis or the Holocaust, don't compare to the Holocaust. Sure. Not the Holocaust. Yes. No. No. Anyway, enjoy your movie with Kevin
0: Sorbo. <laughs> oh, yes. God's not, oh. God's not Dead. That's the only movie I think I've seen him in. Is that God, The first God's Not Dead movie where he, he's an atheist per, university professor of the most unbelievable sort, but gets hit by a car at the end of the movie and converts, has a deathbed conversion and laying in a street. Oh, oh, that hypocrite.
1: Does he, does he die? Yep. Oh.
0: Yep. Okay. But don't worry. And, don't worry. He accepts Christ before he dies, so it's all good.
1: And do we ever have any like proof that God's around, or is it still
0: no, no, still faith based? It's still faith based, yeah. Oh, okay. No, God, God doesn't show up. In yeah, fact,
1: it's not like a Jack T. Chick thing where he gets to the afterlife and there's a ha
0: ha. No, I would say that oh, movie actually. I think the movie actually proves that there is no God by cutting from that scene to the, some some horrible Christian rock band singing a song <laughs> on, live on stage while you know characters from the movie are like in the audience clapping along, and you're like, oh. God's not dead, but I wish I was.
1: Yeah, I'm looking now at the plot of it. Um, there's a, <laughs> so there's there's two sequels, eh? Okay.
0: Yeah, God's not. I don't. I haven't seen the third one. I've I watched the second one, and then I just kind of like, ugh, it's enough for me.
1: Yeah, God's not dead, too. I don't give pure know, flicks I, my I, money. I know, I know people always want to do the electric uh, boogaloo, but I prefer. Um, <laughs> and this is this is a bit of a deep cut. Yeah. Uh, a big trouble in little move, which. Is, uh, uh, is a there's a video game for the uh, PlayStation. Yeah. The original PlayStation was like that. Um,
0: had a, had that as a sequel time. Uh, how about and, how about God's not Dead 2, Electric Resurrected Jew? Oh. There you go. Nice.
1: Uh, uh and uh Thomas Still Doubting. Um and uh, God's <laughs> Not Dead uh, a light in the darkness. Is that one really? That's the third one, yeah.
0: So okay, so the s- second one is where Sabrina is the, teenage witch Sabrina, you know the teenage witch, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, yeah. talks okay, about go. talks about religion in class, All right. and ends up getting fired by the school, which is sure. totally would not happen. So it's just absolutely fake, straw man garbage. Okay. What's that, story? Ernie
1: Hudson is in it.
0: In the second one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, Ray Wise is in it as the evil ACLU lawyer. Who is there, a- acting completely contrary to what the ACLU stands for, in being part of the p- prosecution of this teacher for for free for using you know speaking speaking in class? So instead of being there to to uh, you know uphold people's civil liberties and our right to free speech, they're there to to clamp down on this woman uh, who merely answered a student's question in class mm. and gets fired for it because she talked about religion. <gasps> Shock horror! This is what happens, everyone. Come on, Christians, let's all band together. But yeah, it's just ridiculous. And well, then, I so there's that movie that, that has is, that has Dean Cain. No, no, not Dean Cain. Nope. Uh, Dean Ray Cain's Wise. in the first one. Dean Cain's in the first one.
1: Yeah, this one has that one has Ray Wise uh, mm. and uh, and Ernie Hudson because there's a ghost busting scene. Yeah. Where he busts the Holy Ghost.
0: Uh, <laughs> Holy Ghost, um, you're busted. Yeah, oh,
1: and, no! Uh, Pat Boone is uh is there as well. But then, you know
0: He's a he doddering he, old man. You
1: can't begrudge Pat Boone for showing up in a Christian movie.
0: Sure, I can begrudge him anything I want.
1: But this is the uh uh this is the thing, it's like there's a post credit scene. There's an Avengers style post credits mm-hmm. um where uh David is arrested by the police. Yes. Uh for failing to turn in his ser- sermons to the government. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> and he's uh, taken to jail. Yeah, and that sets up God's Not Dead, A Light in the Darkness.
0: Yes, exactly. Right. And I have not watched that one because that character, that actor, and that is a complete grease ball. I mean, just well, like in a slime ball kind of a way. And then, yes. uh okay. and that character is just like the worst.
1: Okay. Um, I'm gonna say that uh, that uh, one one of the people that's in this makes me a little sad.
0: Oh, okay. Who's and in that's
1: it? Tatum O'Neill. Tatum O'Neill. Yeah, it's a drag. That Tatum O'Neil is in this movie because uh, you know it's Tatum O'Neil, Bad News Bears. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Uh, little, little boxes. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, just a little darling. Sorry, little little darlings. Um, yeah, she's great. Oh, you just uh, so so good. Um, and uh, Ted McGinley is in it.
0: That's that's that tracks.
1: Yeah. So, but
0: Tatum O'Neil, I I don't maybe I'm just mixing her up with with uh, other other child actors from that time period. But I thought she was gay, but I guess I'm wrong. Okay, was... so,
1: so Dave, listen, yeah. um, I'm going to out you as a Christian fellow. Uh-oh. Right uh, you've been outed. That's my <laughs> new show called You've Been Outed. Thank you. And oddly enough, it's about Christians being outed. Mm, you've that's... been outed. Okay. Like, I know, we're at church. You've been outed. <laughs> we're inside. It's you not... shouldn't be inside. Get out. It's a pandemic. Oh, right. <laughs> um, it's, no, it's no secret. So, so that's the wrong way to make a Christian.
0: Yeah. If
1: you're gonna make a Christian movie,
0: and
1: like say the like a church goes like, Hey Dave, here's uh thirty million (laughs) dollars. Okay. We could give it to the poor, but we're gonna give it to you. Uh Um so you can buy a milkshake maker.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um finally
1: what what do you make as a Christian movie? What's a what is actually a good idea for a Christian movie that would actually go like, oh, this is what this movie should be about. hmm It shouldn't be like we're being prosecuted or persecuted, we're Oh, no, everyone's against us. It's like, oh, no, oh, poor us. Oh, jeez. It's rough for
0: us. Well, I've talked about it before, but one of my favorite books is this book by Aldous Huxley called The, called the Devils of Laudoune. Laudoune? How do you say the French name? And it's a case that happened during the time of, like, Louis Fourteenth and uh, that uh, Cardinal Richelieu and all those people. But there was a hysterical devil... There's a hysterical... Uh, possession that happened at this monastery like a nunnery in France okay. like all these you know un, you know like uh you know all these women who were like not being able to like live like human lives became like hysterically possessed by demons and started like acting and acting out in all kinds of gross and 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 ways whether sexual or whatever and and so in the politics of the time there was this kind of local priest who was a bit of a fop and he had seduced this merchant's daughter while he was being her tutor. And the, oh, yeah. the, the, dad was, you know, of course enraged by this and hated this guy. And so when this happened, he orchestrated this campaign that got this priest accused of being a witch or warlock or whatever, and causing this, causing this outbreak at this, at this church or at this nunnery. And this guy was like an arrogant asshole. Of course, you know, he, he uh, he you know um seduced this this woman or seduced this young girl uh that had sex with her and then just abandoned her you know like just moved on to other people or, and you know he's just a jerk he's an absolute jerk but he gets caught in the situation where because of his arrogance and his and his behavior he ends up being accused of being a witch of being tortured you know mm-hmm. so the whole like before i saw him Misery, my first experience of reading about someone's legs being crushed by someone hammering blocks against them was, uh, you know, being hobbled was uh, in that book, you know, and they're hobbling the guy and t- telling him to confess, which he never did. He never did, but he, <clears throat> through this experience of being tortured and then burned at the st- at the stake, he actually became more holy and more of a believer in God, going through this experience, than he was as a priest. Preaching the word of God, if you understand what I mean. And when he was burned, people were like so like distressed by his death because he was so noble and honorable in his death because he was so, he had just kind of reached this peace, a peace with what was happening to him and, and had sort of accepted his fate and accepted, you know, that he'd be okay, you know, at the end of, at the end of this was God and that he'd be all right, you know. And, you know, he did his final confession and he confessed his sins and he told, the guy you know doing you know he just kind of confesses to the to the to the uh confessor pre- priest when he was doing his last rites before he was burned and he went and he stood like absolutely stock still like and just allowed himself to be consumed in the flames and didn't cry out didn't do anything just just took his pain and punishment as something he deserved and and just as a way to exoriate his sins and stuff like that and and to me that's like so weirdly like so twistedly interesting about faith and belief and stuff like that that i really love that story for some reason i find it actually kind of like moving i mean huxley was an atheist so he could see no beauty in it the way he writes it but to me there was something really moving about someone who would just like an asshole and just use his religious position as a way to like get money from people and have sex and you know just have all the worldly pleasures and just use your position and, and power as a way to like corrupt and 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 take advantage of people and then once but then when he's in in dire need of, 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 you know, uh, comfort and solace in the middle of great suffering. He finds it in this thing that he, you know, he should have taken seriously in his, in his like daily life when he, when he had that opportunity, but didn't, but here it is in when it's needed, it finally is a real comfort to him and in his hour of need. And to me, that's a better Christian story than any amount of this kind of garbage where it's just like, you know the war on christianity or whatever like that's just like this isn't this a- a- utter nonsense you know and it has nothing to do with like faith or belief or what it what it actually has as a value in people's lives so i think something like that or if you just wanted to like concentrate on you know just find someone whose life was a was a sort of a beacon of of good works you know but just don't mention religion at all in the movie <laughs> you know it doesn't matter right like that's that shouldn't be your that shouldn't be or i mean to me like preaching christianity is not preaching belief in god it's preaching uh your responsibility to other people you know that's the important part of it right like that all the you know like people can be be good people without needing to believe in god obviously so i think if you're making a christian movie then your me- message should be one of peace and brotherhood and or human con- you know humanhood peace and whatever that would be fraternal man all those are all male expressions I'm trying to think of how to make it <laughs> anyway <laughs> you know what i mean you, you found a flaw <laughs> that's not well it's not a flaw it's just a a, a yeah. linguistic tick isn't it
1: something that can be better yeah you could be improved okay yeah
0: yeah yeah it's some sort of yeah it's something that you know in some way improves how we behaved with each other you know and that's that's a christian movie not something that like that conflates, um, Christianity as some sort of like suffering, like Christian, Christianity isn't like a political movement. So it, it's not, it's not under attack, you know, and if it is under attack, it's actually really good for it to be under attack, you know, that it deserves it, you know, like all, all religions should only be religions in terms of, in the sense that they should always be like on the back foot and <laughs> they should never be in, you know, ever have power or ever have any sort of, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, they shouldn't, they shouldn't, they just shouldn't be able to like rule over people's lives. Cause I just think that's just like, all that is is this power mongering and just abuse, you know, and we can see that in, in, in every church, you know, whether it's the Anglican churches with, you know, being involved in residential schools or Catholic churches and, and the, and, uh, you know, the, um molesting issues and stuff like that and this, and all, you know, stuff like that. This like, you know, although it's this garbage like you know that's not that's not what christianity is so get rid of that stuff get rid of it all just <laughs> like the whole you know you can see it in, in the united states right like like how religious like how religious do like evangelicals feel like like in this sort of rabid support of donald trump you know like like this feels doesn't it feel to you like it's just a complete sellout of your ideas yeah. and of your beliefs
1: yeah
0: <laughs> you know and I mean, I don't really know what their beliefs are because it doesn't feel to me like their beliefs are actually like Christian beliefs. They feel like there's, like they have something else that they believe in. Like, like that whole kind of like, I can't remember what it's called now. There's some name for it, right? Like that, that Norman Vincent Peale kind of positive, power, positive thinking, Christianity kind of stuff where the idea that your success is, you know, the measure of your success shows God's approval of you and all that kind of nonsense. Like that's just like complete garbage. But that seems to be more like what they believe in than, than, you know, like what I would what I would personally think of as the message of of the of Christ in the Bible, so so yeah, it's uh, I just it is just wonderful. So you just feel like you know that's just an example where politics and the idea that you know we need to like have someone in power who's going to like work in our interests. Well, just how like completely corrupting that is, because then you're like they're not even like you know judging the person who supposedly help you know supposed to be like acting as their savior or whatever. I don't know what he's supposed to do. Like back, reverse Roe versus Wade or whatever. Like, great. Let's go back to the 1950s. Hooray. But it's, it's, it's just like, it's, just feels like, so it's just like the whole wrong idea of like what, what religion is. And so, yeah, if there's a war on Christianity, I think that's good. Actually. It's good.
1: <laughs> it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. You know, people who want to be, they want power. They want the power. Mm-hmm. But they also want to be the victim at the same time. And it's just so well, weird. Yeah. It's like yeah. you want to be both things and that was a real thing with like Trump, which is a weird thing too, which yeah. is just like you know, it's just like things are going great, I'm doing fantastic, and no one's treated worse than me. Oh <laughs>
2: they're
1: treating me badly. And like, Well, how are you doing? I'm fantastic, doesn't bother me a bit. But, oh, it's rough. <laughs> oh, everyone else is treated as badly as they <laughs> I'm just like, well, which, which one is it, Jack? Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't want the, you know, like on, on, on the most basic level, do you want the whiny millionaire? <laughs> do you want the guy with like who brings out his money bags and throws them on the table and the gold spills out? Yeah. And he goes, what a day I'm having. <laughs> oh, it's rough. <laughs> I'm sitting on the wallet and I'm getting up. Yeah, big sure. band in my ass. Yeah, just like stop it. Everyone's everyone's mean to me. Mm-hmm. No one likes me. He's like, well, oh, okay. yeah. It feels like the thing to do is uh, is make sure you know th- that it's almost always this is the first thing you say It's like, but enough about me. How are you doing? You know, it's like it should be. It should always like flip it around to like, yeah, but are you okay? Like you gotta, mm-hmm. you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's that's the that's the example to be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, but tell me about tell me about your day. Yeah. I, I, by the way, that's like a uh, what's it? It's it? Fran Liebowitz? Who's the who's the uh, author who's like very popular right now?
0: <laughs> because uh, Cause she wrote two books fifty years ago. Uh, that's Fran. That's Fran Leibowitz, Yeah. Fran, yeah, yeah.
1: Fran Leibowitz. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I, I was uh, doing a joke with my wife of just like you know uh, take a drink every every time she says, but enough about me. How are you doing? It's just like, you know, it's just like, it's just that kind of personality where it's just like, no, no, it's just like, you just wind them up and let them go and let them complain. (laughs) And it's just like, there's only so much of that that I can take. Yeah. Even if they're just the most charming, witty person, someone who just doesn't seem to have any real, you know, curiosity in the person next to them. Like, I get that that's their bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, I get that that's their thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, I get it. But it's just like, and, and now how are you? You know, it's just like, and now we're gonna have a conversation. We're gonna mm-hmm. go back and forth, and that's much more interesting, right? And sometimes when I see her in an interview, I like her a lot more than you know one, these these shows where it's definitely just like wind her up and let her go.
0: Yeah, I think that's. I, I don't think you're seeing her in like a fair, a fair way because the the purpose of the movie is is as performative, not not conversational. So.
1: Yeah, it's a mo- it's basically a monologue and I get it and I'm like okay.
0: Cuz she's always seemed a- very nice on David Letterman when she was She's with- so
1: very nice on David Letterman, but she yeah. never says to Letterman,
0: "Well, what do you think?" What, but and, once you know, again, it's performative, but yeah. I
1: get I get it. Yeah. I get it. It's just uh,
0: cuz if you like, said that to David Letterman, what's he going to do? He's going to he's just going to like shut you down and turn it back to you cuz that's I, don't know, just, I
1: know. think he's got a riff like he's, Letterman's got an opinion on most things.
0: Yeah. yeah maybe know. so.
1: I I feel like, you know, I look at someone like a John Mulaney now Mm -hmm. and, you know, he'll, he'll go off on his riffs, but then he will at some point just go, but what do you, what do you think? And like, he will definitely (laughs) like try to engage the uh, the interviewer in some way. And it just makes it, it just feels like a a more modern type of, we're talking comedy, but like that feels like (laughs) a more modern type of comedy that, uh, Hey, Jay, what's what's going on? Well, I'll tell you, uh, things are funny. And he's just like Jay, would go, <laughs> Jay Lennon would go off on his thing, but he'd never be like, but, Jay, what do you think? Yeah, he'd yeah. turn it around, whereas now it's much more communicative, I think, stylistically, comedically is how things are. I,
0: I guess funny. so. I guess so. I mean, I, I, what I don't really care about – I mean, I just think it's a performance, so – you know, I don't. You know, you don't want. I don't want to go see a comedian and have in the middle of the show sort asking audience member how they're feeling. <laughs> how are you feeling? I, I prefer more. How, I prefer how are you more feeling? You look. You, you look know, sad. Like, are you okay? Yeah, yeah. Actually, maybe that now? would be charming if someone did that. That would be good, actually.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, my probably my favorite comedian right now is Maria Bamford, and mm-hmm. she does have her definitely set bits. Yeah. But she is uh, open enough that if there is a thing where you know someone says something, she will stop and just like be engaged directly with what the person is saying hmm. and not just looking for a setup to the next yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that was again though, you know, back in the day it was a different style and, you know, Johnny Carson, you know, would give a zinger and then he'd want you to just do your bit, do it. Yeah. Dance monkey dance <laughs> and so on and so forth. Fair enough. Yeah.
0: If Today, you're, a, if you're a monkey, you should, you should be dancing.
1: Yeah, uh, unless you're David Jones, in which case, uh, hey, work on, uh, work on your music instead.
0: That's what Frank Zappa says. Um, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Nice, uh, Dave, nice reference. Thanks so much. Love it, love Dave, it. Dave, Yeah, uh,
1: I think it might be time to check in with our favorite vampire and see what he's up
0: to. <gasps> oh, it's time for some Dark Shadows.
1: Yeah. Uh, Dave has been watching uh, the Dark Shadows uh, series on Tubi. Uh, and uh, and uh, he's been updating us on uh, on this soap opera from the 1970s and where things going now with uh, uh, primarily Barnabas Collins, yes, uh, vampire uh, who has been revived into the 70s and is now living with a family. The family does not know he is a vampire, though, right? This
0: is the 60s, yeah, 60s, 60, 60 60 66.
1: Does not know that he is a vampire.
0: No, they and, are in and, the dark. Uh,
1: why, why don't you uh, tell us what's up?
0: All right. So when we left last time. They had the uh, seance, and if everyone remembers, Vicky disappeared. The lights went out. When the lights were turned back on, Vicky was gone, replaced by Phyllis Wick, a governess who I think is implied that she died in a in a carriage crash, on her way to be governess to Sarah Collins, the daughter sorry daughter sister of Barnabas Collins.
1: Everyone wear your carriage belts.
0: Okay? <laughs> wear your carriage it's belts. It's not
1: just a good idea. Yeah. It's the law.
0: It's the law. Yes. So now, Vicky Winters is in nineteen. She's replaced. She's gone back in time, and every episode of the show for this little time period introduces the show as a séance was held at Collinwood, and you know it says that Vicky now finds herself in the past, but space and time are frozen at Collinwood right now. So I imagine the idea is that Collinwood is like in a in some sort of like time bubble where no, nothing is advancing or whatever. So, all, every, like, so Vicky's disappearance may only be like a, I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I'm not at this point, but may only be a second, like a blink of an eye. Okay. Because if, because time is frozen. That's what they keep saying though. So I, I'm not too sure what that means. I'll find out later, I assume. All but right. now Vicky, governess of, it, governess at, at Collinwood is now in 1795. So of course she's confused. It's a usual thing that when this happens to someone, they're like, why is We've everyone dressed there. so differently? We've
1: all been there, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because <laughs> the thing is, the people of this time look like the people she knew in her time. Ah. So it's not just that it's not just that she's gone back in time. She's gone back in time, but the pe- faces of people that she knew in the past, or the, in the future, are the faces of people that she's now meeting in the past. And so she's confused all the time. So she reacts to them as if they are... Who they were, or who they were to her. So, for instance, Elizabeth Stoddard, the Joan Bennett character, the sort of the matriarch of the family, is now Naomi Collins, wife of Josiah Collins, who we knew as her brother Roger uh, Collins in in Vic, in Vicky's time. Burke Devlin, who was Vicky's fiancé, who was who disappeared in an air crash in Brazil, is now Jeremiah Collins, brother of Josiah and uncle to Barnabas. Joe Haskell, who is Maggie's boyfriend, is now Nathan Forbes, a lieutenant working for the, uh, Collins family in their shipyard. So they're, they, they're, uh, that's their wealth. They're, they're the big, the big family in town because they, they started a shipyard and they, they build ships. And so he is a friend to Barnabas. And then this guy named Matthew Morgan, who I guess was a villain in a pr- previous episode's that I did not see in the, from the first one of those first 200 episodes I missed from the first six months of the show. Uh, he is now a character called Ben Stokes, a kind of an indentured servant to the Collins family. So at first, Vicky, of course is confused as I said, and she tries to talk to the characters as if as she knew them. So when she sees Burke, she's like Burke, you know, I love you. You are my fiance. And he's like, madam, I do not know you. And also you hmm. are addressed very provocatively. Because she's wearing modern, modern day clothes, or '60s modern day clothes, right? So not quite a miniskirt, but getting there. Uh, so she quickly realizes that she's going to have to pretend that she is Sarah's governess, that she has come from Boston to be a governess to sort of fit in. And so she has some allies: Barnabas, Jeremiah, Nathan, all kind of, and also Elizabeth, um, or Naomi now, all, all kind of take her under their wing and help her. But she also has enemies. The first is the strict, puritanical Josiah, and his sister Abigail, who is a religious zealot. Uh, and, those, and in the in the future, she was Miss Johnson, the the family cook at the at Collinwood. But now she is Abigail, the sister of Josiah, who is a religious nut job and thinks that Vicky is a witch. Um, now Vicky is not the only new arrival. It turns out, so we have come exactly at the time that Barnabas's fiance is arriving. So Josette uh, comes, uh, with her family. And so they're French. They're the Dupre. She's Josette Dupre. And she comes there with her, her aunt. Um, so Josette is played by the actress who played Maggie Evans, Barnabas's first victim, uh, okay. when he tried, who, who he tried to turn into is Josette. And I can see why, because they look very much alike. Uh, she arrives with her aunt Natalie, who, in the future, is played by the same actors who played Doctor uh, Ju, uh, Julia Hoffman, and her uncle Andre, who is the actor who played Sam Evans, Maggie's dad paint painting painter dad in the in the in the sixties, uh, and then we get a new character who is Angelique Bouchard, Josette's maid, and we quickly learn that Angelique and Barnabas had a short affair in Martinique Ooh. before he became engaged to Josette. So at a time that he thought he had no chance with Josette. He had this brief kind of fling with Angelique, you know, not, you know what I mean? Like not, not a sexual affair, but a, rom- a romantic, romantic dalliance.
1: A dalliance. I was yeah. about to say dalliance. Well, yeah.
0: Very good. And, but she is still madly in love with him, but he is not madly in love with her. Of course he is madly in love with Josette because Josette, uh, returned his, 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 his uh, affection. And the problem is, is she was in France and he was in America, and of course letters, and then going to Martinique to meet her there, and she wasn't there, and blah, blah, blah. So all the letters and stuff like that, there was all this kind of runaround. So there's like months where he didn't know how she felt about him. And I guess he despaired, and he turned to, you know, he, he welcomed the attentions of this beautiful uh, maid. Because the actress, Alara Parker, who plays Angelique, is really beautiful actress. Uh, and so we quickly learn though, that she is a witch. And her first thing she does is she puts Ben Stokes, the the uh, family servant, under her under her uh, control, because yeah, because she loves Barnabas but she hates Josette. Okay. And so she begins to plan against Barnabas and Josette. So she has Ben Stokes gather. A complete unbroken spider's web. So this is a very specific thing he has to do. And he, he comes back and complaining and said, I had to do three different spider's webs to get it to work. <laughs> but she uses it to make a dress on a doll who will be Josette. Duh. And so she she creates dolls of the characters that she wants to to control. And so uh, she she uses this doll. And so Josette finds herself falling in love with Jeremiah, Barnabas' uncle and friend. Now, through a quirk of... of Family relations. Barnabas and Jeremiah are about the same age. It's the same way that Barnabas is much much older than Sarah, his his sister. Jeremiah is much much younger than his brother uh, Josiah, and Aunt Abigail. So um, so so yes. Yeah, so Josette is falling in love with Jeremiah, and at first Jeremiah is like angry and disgusted by this and can't believe that Ange- what's going on. But then Angelique casts a spell on him, and so then. They start to fall in love with each other, even though they know it's wrong. They can't help their feelings. And so they meet in secret, but they're spied on by by Josette's aunt, Natalie. And so she starts to believe that some sort of witchcraft is afoot. That's as, because these characters, these two people should not be in love with each other. You know, Josette, she know that, she knows that Josette loves Barnabas. And so she can't, can't believe that what is happening is real. So she thinks that there's, um, witchcraft afoot. And so she does a tarot reading. Uh, to confirm her suspicions and she does it with naomi collins there and she attempts to explain the card's portents to naomi who's very skeptical but she tells her to follow the hanging man and it will reveal who is being betrayed and so that night naomi's sleeping and she wakes up and floating over her bed is the hanging man tarot card and she it leads her out of her room into the hallway where she sees um uh Sorry. That's okay. I must have turned the page the wrong way here. Where was I? Okay, yeah. So she she wakes up and the card is the card leads her out into the hallway and she sees Jeremiah walking down the hallway and she calls to him but he's in a trance and just keeps walking and then walks down the stairs. And so she follows him and down into the salon or whatever the the living room downstairs and she finds him embracing a mysterious woman. She can't see her. And it, she looks like Josette, but we can't see her face. We can just see them embracing. And she calls to, to Jeremiah to reveal who this woman is. And he, he tells her to go away. He won't reveal her. But she looks at her, this woman's hand and there's a mark of the devil, like a, like a pitchfork mark on her hand, just kind of where the kind of the meat of between our thumb and our, and our pointer finger. Oh, okay. There's this, there's this mark there. And she sees that. And so she goes over and she goes to, to, um, She goes to, you know, pull this woman away from, away from Jeremiah so she can see her. And she pulls on her arm and her arm comes away and she's holding like this bloody stump of an arm in her hand. And she just shrieks. And then the scene cuts. It's clearly a mannequin's arm, but it's still very effective. It's still very effective. It's a mannequin arm. They just put some red on the the end of it. So Jeremiah, aware of how wrong his feelings for for Josette are, resolves to leave. And Natalie convinces Josette to um, To make um, Barnabas, to make Barnabas, uh, she wants her to make to tell Barnabas not. Or, sorry, she wants Barnabas to go to Jeremiah and tell him not to go because okay. the whole family should be there for the wedding. Blah blah blah. And so, so Josette goes to Barnabas, and of course, it's in. She wants Jeremiah to stay, of course, because she mad, she's madly in love with him. Barnabas doesn't know this, of course, but while she's talking to to Barnabas, she she's able to overcome these feelings, and she says no tell jeremiah to go go as far away as he can and when she does this the the pitchfork disappears on her on her hand um but then angelique uh so then uh, so yeah so then angelique oh sorry so then um so then Jeremiah's is going to go he's going to leave and then a priggish josiah attempts to bully jeremiah into staying and so it's just like the most the most frustrating scene in, in the world because he's like you know bullying jeremiah and trying to convince him to stay through these variety of completely ridiculous arguments meanwhile angelique is casting a spell on jeremiah uh, on on josiah and so you're like oh come on jeremiah get out of there before ah no she she turns josiah into a cat (laughs) so josiah to of course but to jeremiah he doesn't think the cat is josiah because they don't believe in witches of course so he just thinks Josiah has mysteriously disappeared. So now he can't leave the house. He has to like figure out what's happened to Josiah. And now he's sort of the man of the man of the house as well. So he can't leave. So, but Natalie <coughs> Natalie Josette's aunt has convinced her that they should she knows something's wrong cuz she knows what's happening that Jeremiah and Josette are in love with each other. And so she convinces Josette that she and Barnabas should get married as soon as possible. So rather than wait for the finish the, for them to finish building the new Collinwood... Which is the 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 new house where the family now lives, and the old house where Barnabas lives. This, it, when the story is taking place in the past, it's in the old in the old Collinwood Manor, and so uh, on the day of the hastily hastily arranged marriage, Angeli gives Josette a small decoration to wear on her dress, and this is an equally oh. frustrating scene because Josette is like, no, it doesn't really fit my dress, and and then uh, her aunt Natalie, the one who thinks there's witchcraft going on convinces her to put it on her dress and when she does she disappears oh and jeremiah disappears too i mean they physically disappear they both take off they 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 leave they leave their, their luggage is gone they're gone so so they're they and so everyone's like well, where do they go no one says i guess they eloped no they're just like where did what happened what's going on here so like natalie we've talked about abigail she of course believes she believes in witch- witches all the time. It doesn't take anything to make her believe in witches. But she believes that witchcraft is afoot. So she and Natalie examine the shocking clothes that Vicky arrived in. And they ah. find a charm bracelet that has some like occult-like charms on it. It's the 60s, I guess. So people were wearing cool occultish charms. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, so they uh, are convinced that Vicky is a witch. So then it's then revealed as suspected... Jeremiah and Josette have eloped. Now, they've eloped, they've married, they love each other in quotation marks, but they're also wretched because they know that what they've done, they they, they sense their love isn't real for each other, but also they know that they've betrayed their families, and worst of all, they've betrayed Barnabas. So they have all this guilt and this weird feeling that this isn't real, but also this Mm -hmm. overwhelming need to be in love with each other. So they reserved. They sorry. They resolved to return to Collinwood, and when they return, an outraged Barnabas, unable to control his temper, challenges Jeremiah to a duel. Oh! So that night, the two former friends duel. Jeremiah is cr- uh, critically injured and barely clings to life. Meanwhile, Abigail has invited the Reverend Trask, who we saw in the in the future. Uh, he was the lawyer. Who the fast talking lawyer who was trying to get uh, trying to get action out of the Collins family for some client of his who got injured on the job, now he's a witch hunter, and he's there to investigate Vicky. So they have a heated discussion. He and Vicky. She denies that she's a witch. She slaps him for his impertinence, and he slaps her down to the ground. Oh! Then he takes her out to the woods and he binds her to a tree with rope, and he's going to leave her there overnight. And because the test is that the because if she's a witch, the tree will die. By her presence, and so when he returns in the morning, he'll find her there in a dead tree. So when Barnabas and Nathan hear this, of course they're outraged that Vicky's been left out outdoors and over through the night. So they go into the woods in the dark to find her, and they do locate her and they rescue for rescue her from the tree, and they take her away. But Angelique follows them at a distance, and she uh, lights the tree on fire so that it looks like the tree was destroyed by by Vicky. When the when Trask comes in the morning, so Barnabas and Nathan hide uh, Vicky and Collinwood in the as it's still you know it's still under construction, so they they hide her there, but a snooping angelique catches Nathan bringing food to Vicky, and then when she's interrogated by Trask, she goes into this kind of weird religious fervor and she feigns that she's having some sort of vision from God that Vicky is hiding, the witch Vicky is hiding in in, in Collinwood. so she is able to escape, though Vicky escapes and hides in the stables. But Trask threatens the career of Nathan, saying, you know, you are abating, or not abating, you're abetting, and, you know, you're involved with this, uh, you're colluding with the witch, you know, your career is at risk here. And so he's a little nervous of helping Vicky now. So Angelique, angry that despite everything, Barnabas still loves Josette and won't marry her, curses Sarah, who becomes extremely ill. And so then Barnabas is so desperate for a cure, Angelique says to him, If I could cure her, I said, She says, If I cure her, if I'm able to cure her, would you marry me? Like, I want, you know, like, I will cure her if you marry me, if you promise to marry me. And Barnabas says, agrees to this. So then Jeremiah, Jeremiah finally dies and appears to Josette as a disfigured ghost. Like, he's all wrapped in bloody bandages and, and there's this eyeball hanging out of the socket. <laughs> but it's played by a new actor, which is kind of, I find kind of, um, I don't know, I guess cause I'm just watching them one after another. There's not, there's not, well, I guess people are watching them one after another, basically daily. This is weird to me that you would just like switch actors for a character, but he's played by like a different voiced person. So it's just weird. Uh, but yeah, so he starts to, uh, haunt Josette and Josette goes with Naomi to Jeremiah's grave and calls to him. And then a hand reaches out of the dirt of the grave and they run away. I don't blame yeah. them. Angelique is unhappy that Barnabas is delaying their wedding. He wants to tell Josette that they're getting married and wants to break it to her, you know, gently. But because things have been sort of up, you know, lots of things have been happening, uh, he hasn't had an opportunity. And so Angelique cruelly tells Josette that she and Barnabas are to marry. Um, then Abigail confronts Angelique, accusing her of tricking Barnabas into marriage and also lets Angelique know that she thinks that she is a witch who is working with Vicky. (laughs) So she's partly right. And of course, Angelique is not happy to hear that. And that is where it leaves off. So yes, bit of a cliffhanger there. What will happen to Abigail? But yeah, that's, it's so, it's, it's, it's really fun. Angelique is a great character. Like I say, the actress is a really beautiful actress and she really plays the, she really knows how to like, um, as the character use her beauty to like kind of, Cl- you know literally cloud people's minds that that uh you know because she's beautiful she can't be a witch although they think vicky's a witch and vicky's also a very beautiful woman so i don't know it's double standard she's but uh angelique is blonde so that's why she's getting away with it but yeah it's um it's just great because it's just so frustrating because you're just like can't people realize that she is the witch but no they don't that <laughs> she just keeps you know she just keeps uh, having her way with everyone and it's it's uh yeah i mean it, you know it's one of those things kind of like it's sort of like horror noir like we're heading towards an inevitable conclusion here. We know that we know what happens to Barnabas. This is, this is a, this is, you know, there's no, no avoiding this, this uh, fate for him, but still it's interesting. It's a, it's a fun ride. And uh, I just love that the same actors are playing all these different characters. I just think, I just think that's great. And it's fun to see them play different characters too, right? Like
1: yeah, that's like, what you want to do with your actors sometimes. Yeah, like, uh, let like, them have some
0: fun. Yeah, like have Mrs. Johnson, who's like the family cook, now she gets to be like mean Aunt Abigail, who's a nosy busybody who believes in witches who screws up everything for 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 everybody, and then you know, and Joe Haskell gets to play like a a kind of dashing. Um, dashing uh naval lieutenant and then carolyn stoddard who i didn't really mention because her character is so is so um evaporous she she is uh she plays cousin millicent who's this giggling empty-headed dodo but she just has like a riot with the with the with the role you know because she's just what fun to play like a, a empty a giggling empty-headed dodo what's better than that right so so yeah she's having a lot of fun with that character so yeah it's just it's just fun. it's just it's goofy fun i gotta say nice did, yeah pardon me, I didn't watch Excuse- as much as I watched last time because i I was editing um listening party this week so so there are three days where I didn't get to get to watch any any um any uh dark shadows but still.
1: So. this uh it reminds me that i i watched a little bit of uh cult i mentioned cold Jack earlier yeah uh Jack the night stalker mm-hmm. um uh t v series which is weird because the night stalker is a character from the
0: movie that uh, is not in later movies yeah, right? yeah, yeah. it's weird, isn't it'
1: it's a weird it's a weird thing but um, the only like it only lasted a season. Mm-hmm. The idea behind it being it's a newspaper reporter uh, who um, uh, runs into monsters. Yeah. So or Jack the Ripper, or a vampire, or st- some such.
0: Of um, course, the problem is that they, they always disappear, or whatever, at the end of the show, so he can never prove that what yeah, he saw was yeah, real.
1: I don't know, like, how he makes a living. <laughs> like, what stories are you writing? Like, he always throws the story out yeah. to do it. Yeah. Um, but here's the problem with the show.
0: There's no problems and, with the show, but okay. Uh, the,
1: it's it's great, great. <laughs> um, first of all, the uh, editor is just one note, just like, Colchak. Ah, you're
0: wasting your time. To you yeah, again. yeah. Like,
1: There's a
0: lot of that. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: Ugh, constant. Um, and Colchak uh, is a bit of a jerk. He's just a jerk.
0: Yeah, yeah, jerk. yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and so, like, you know, like a woman comes along who's trying to help him out, and he's just like, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, I don't want to help at all. And, then, like, she usually <laughs> ends up dead or something. And you're like, ugh, I feel weird about this. This doesn't make me feel good. Um, so like he is like the idea is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the stuff he does is good, but yeah. he's just an unpleasant fellow. So here's what I was thinking. Yeah, like oh, I'd love to see this with like uh, like a like Columbo, but like Columbo is like solving this thing and no one believes him, and then he figures it out and he's you know has to. You know, stop a vampire, and the vampire's really arrogant (laughs) because he thinks Columbo's just this dupe, yeah, yeah. just a human. And then Columbo, you know, uh, wins at the end, and I'm like, oh, that'd be great. (laughs) Or the Jack the Ripper is all cocky and thinks he's gonna get away with it, and Columbo gets him. So, uh, so yeah, I was thinking like, oh, that would be great seeing him swap it out. Yeah, it made me think like that would be that would be a question I would like to ask our. uh, I know we still got letters and stuff, but like that would be a question I'd like to ask our listeners is like, uh, picture a show. That's uh, not perfect mm-hmm. to you. Uh, now substitute a character from another show. <laughs> what would you do? In my, to me, it's like a Columbo, uh, the Night Stalker. I would do that.
0: All right. Let me just write this yeah. question down so I don't have to. Please do. Sub.
1: Please do. Sub
0: a character.
1: All right. And now I'm going to open up our mailbag. Open it up. Uh, we asked last week. Uh, speaking of Dave talking vampires, who's your favorite vampire? And do you have a least favorite vampire? Also, uh, what's your favorite film starring a popular international star making their Hollywood debut? Uh, also, we're open to suggestions for future questions. So, uh, Let's see how my throat does with reading uh, these. And uh, when I need to, I will throw it over to uh, to, to my, my lovely co-host, David. Um, well, James thank you. Middleton, James Middleton starts off. Uh, with uh, an interesting um, little historical uh, thing. He says, uh, R.E. regarding the Ub, <laughs> how uh, you say it, Ub? Yep. Iwerks, Disney, Lance, Oswald situation. We talked a bit about uh, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Mm-hmm. and uh, And he says, Disney developed the Oswald character with Iwerks as the head animator, uh, 700 drawings per day. Ooh, that's a lot of drawings. For a distributor named uh, Margaret Winkler. Margaret Winkler married a man named Charles Mintz, and suddenly Winkler Studios became Mintz Studios. Oh, if it was Mintz Winkler or Winkler Mintz, oh, that is be much better. Anyway, Mintz Studios, oh, those 1920s, uh, James says. Uh, after one season uh, with some successful marketing of Oswald, Disney discovered that Mintz's contract with Disney gave Mintz the actual ownership of Oswald and hired away most of Disney's staff. Hmm. Iwerks stayed behind with Disney, and they developed Mickey after that. Disney wanted to go uh, more towards realism, and Iwerks wanted to keep the rubber-hose, cartoony look. I guess everyone playing the banjo. So the man uh, (laughs) developed the sound system for the early Mickeys at ours, lured Iwerks away to develop Flip the Frog, unfortunately for MGM. No, Ultimately. Ultimate Ultimately, is different than unfortunately. <laughs> yep. Very different. Yes. iWorks made Disney buy him out uh, for his half of the studio, some uh, $35,000, which was a hardship for Disney. In the meantime, back with Mintz and Oswald. Mintz worked to distribute through lamey, Universal's. Carl Limley. L- Carl Limley, very good. Uh, but Mintz was having drama within his production group lamey mused about this one day to his chauffeur who peeped up that he'd been doing animation for almost 10 years at this point (laughs) that chauffeur who'd come to california only to discover that even disney thought him overqualified was walter lance
0: Hmm. and
1: the chauffeur laughed (laughs) (laughs) lance was hired to replace mince and took over the production at universal
0: well you know why because they only had to change they only had to change (laughs) two letters on the door
1: Lance began reworking the silent Oswalds into sound versions, then began working with Bill Nolan to create new Oswalds with a pause to add their piece to the universal two-strip Technicolor opus, The King of Jazz. Hmm. Oh, that was back before they used up all that jazz. I style, didn't really change uh, all that uh, much once leaving Disney, and at the end of the 1930s, he was at Columbia, working, oddly enough, with Mintz, before coming back to Disney to work on multiplane cameras, more sophisticated special effects, and the camera system that permitted human and animated character interactions of Mary Poppins. Disney was polite about the return, but it was like a chilled professional relationship. And to see how Little Iwerks' style developed, compare Skeleton Dance of 1929 to Skeleton Frolic of 1937. 19, of 19, uh, there you are. Uh, Disney, uh, I will do that. I will exactly do that. <laughs> Disney learned from all of this to own everything he or his studio developed. Uh, think of the copyright changes that kicked back in the early 2000s to keep Mickey from going public domain. And Lance learned the same thing, ultimately owning Woody Woodpecker, Chilly Willie, et all, whose marketing kept him afloat when theatrical short revenue began tanking in the 1960s. Disney also went to Universal to buy back all the rights and existing prints for Oswald a few years ago, trading the contract for, of NFL analyst Al Michaels <laughs> for the cartoon character. Oof. Huh. One needs a flowchart. <laughs> that is a good little bit of history there. I
0: and, should have, uh, you forgot to finish by saying, in short, Dave was wrong in his, okay. in his guesses.
1: And also i like to mention Woody Woodpecker. Ugh, I don't like that character at all. <laughs> um, yeah, he's a jerk. He's a jerk. And Chili Willy, <laughs> find anyone who Chilly Willy is their favorite character. Just try it. <laughs> Try and do it. Um, and, uh, Jay, yeah, Disney, the corporation saying not the organic being did the buyback of Oswald. That is great. We,
0: great. We, thank we, you. We.
1: Thank you, James. That is a nice little uh, kiss of history.
0: <laughs> yes, thank you for that.
1: Uh, our friend Chris Roberts writes us and says, thank you for describing me as sultry voice. Well, you're very welcome, Chris. Thank you for being so sultry. It was. it was such a nice compliment. I had to share it immediately with my wife, Diane. Sadly, I can't e- let you know her reaction right now. She's laughing uncontrollably at something or another. Oh, wives, am I right? Oh, boy. The only thing worse are mother-in-laws. <laughs> Best vampire. Dracula's an obvious choice. Pretty damn obvious, Chris. I know, but hard to beat all the same. In my early teens, I was greatly taken with the original novel of the first Hammer film with Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, and whatever the collective noun is for a lot of even bosoms. I believe it's a tit swain. A tit swain of bosoms. Uh, I'm thinking maybe a swell. Well, whatever it does he is up to <laughs> The runner-up award goes to Count Ducula, a
0: ah, vegetarian Ducula.
1: vampire and star of a British car- TV cartoon in the 1980s. Oh, I know Count Dracula well. It was also a comic book. Mm. Uh, of course, some say Count Ducula was a spinoff from Danger Mouse. He was. But I say, oh, wait, I've done that. <laughs> <in all my laughs> he, was a,
0: he was. He oh. was a. Uh, those are both good shows. I love when I, when YTV used to run the, those.
1: Now, was Vanicula uh, also a vegetarian? Uh, or was Benicula, uh you thought that it uh, was a vegetarian but actually ate blood?
0: Who's Banicula? Sorry. All
1: right, well, there we go. That's an answer. Dave does not know who Banicula is. <laughs> sorry. It was a rabbit who is a vampire.
0: Oh, okay, sorry. There you go.
1: Um, I guess it would not make it. If it was a rabbit that ate carrots, then it's not a vampire, is it? What <laughs> am I talking about? It. Um, I believe there is a Banicula. Hopefully, I didn't just dream
0: Bonicula. <laughs> I think you did.
1: Uh, I like what I like best about Count uh, Duculo was his uh, assistant, who was always trying to get him to murder people. <laughs> I like that.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, favorite film of a popular international star in their Hollywood debut. The one uh, that one stumped me until I remembered Audrey Hepburn in Roman Holiday. Mm, nice, Very nice, yeah, nice, nice. Get. Uh Let's add uh, that to the list of classic rom coms too. A lovely witty script from John Dighton. And an uncredited, blacklisted Dalton Trombo. Oh, ready from his bathtub. A uh, stylistic direction by William Wyler. And great chemistry between Hepburn and co-star Gregory Peck. Perfect Sunday evening viewing. And uh, <laughs> go to Hell Kitty. Oh, I see. Like, go to hell, but Hell Kitty? Oh, I like it. That's fine. That's my studio. Hell Kitty Studios. Go to hellkittystudios.com and you click on uh, you those know, things and you can look at our things. We have a comic there too called Super. You should click on it. Um, here we go. Uh, James Middleton. Hello, James again. Uh, and on the, it is the same. Oh, it's good. I'm not just uh, having a, a, a spell. Uh, James Middleton writes, and on the subject of favorite vampire, I'd have to go with Barnabas Collins. Oh well, la, 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 as played by Jonathan Frid in the TV series Dark Shadows. Oh, we know. We know about Dark Shadows. <laughs> I had to watch it on a 24-hour delay on a kinescope from a distant station but it was still worth it even uh, if the end of the week cliffhangers came on a monday
0: Hmm. interesting what's so from? you Jim so you actually got to watch it as it as it came Real out time. originally that's that's pretty cool that's really cool actually
1: hmm. yeah let me ask you something James about that uh did, were, you, were you friends with other people who were watching it was it a water cooler show would you talk about it no. oh did you see what happened what's gonna happen what do you think will happen is that were you doing that um, and uh, James continues. And Mr. Frid was from Hamilton, Ontario. Imagine that! Oh yeah, it has that thick Hamilton accent.
2: <laughs>
1: my first, my first memory uh, as a child is in Hamilton, Ontario. Oh really? Yeah, because my grandparents lived there, and I remember us visiting hmm. them. Okay. I'm a little. I'm, I can't walk. I know that much. Hmm. I can't walk yet, and I crawl. I'm crawling by a mirror, and I see myself in the mirror. <laughs> I remember that. And then I reached for some ties that were my grandfather's tie rack and he was annoyed that I was reaching for his ties. Oh dear. Yeah. Uh, And for Pete's sake, uh, I go listening to the episodes out of sequence and you're talking about dark shadows. Oh my God. I know what embarrassment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's great that you brought it up because uh, I think this, I guess it's uh, interesting to hear from someone who actually got to, to uh, experience it in real time rather than in my kind of streaming one after another while I'm, sort of half paying attention to it
1: yeah and dave doing this of course with his modern values
0: (laughs) that's right
1: right nowadays it's it's wrong to drain a woman's blood i know gosh it's not pc to turn (laughs) into a bat and spy on her okay whatever
2: society Edward
1: Dragansky writes, because we mentioned Dr. Pepper three times while looking into a mirror. So Edward showed up. <laughs> I'm a pepper, I'm the pepper, Edward Dragansky's pepper. Um, concerning Dr. Pepper, I worked for the company for 17 years, uh, 1990 to 2007, as a contract designer, a full-time employed art director, and for uh, an in-house agency that took over the graphics in 2004. Uh, do you know anyone at Crush? <laughs> tell, them, tell them to smarten up their rainbow pack with that lovely flavor of the rainbow, brown.
0: Smarten hey, them up. brown's a color.
1: And pink is not in the rainbow either. There's no pink in a rainbow. There is no brown in a rainbow. Talk to them. Anyways, Man. Uh, when I started there, we only had four brands, Dr. Pepper, 7-Up, Welsh's, and IBC Root Beer. And Dr. Pepper was privately owned. Uh, These were the years before we used computers for design. Everything was done by hand. Oh, wow, cool. Uh, When the stock went public in 1995, Cadbury Beverages out of Connecticut bought Dr. Pepper and moved their portfolio of about 38 brands down to Texas. Uh, They considered Dr. Pepper to be the crown jewel of their beverage portfolio. Even more so than Royal Crown Cola. (laughs) (laughs) This seems not the crown of cola. But that!
0: Um, but it's not, isn't it the crown jewel of colas?
1: Okay, it may be a royal crown of oh, Or is right,
0: that RJ cola. cola, Royal Jewel oh, Cola? I don't,
1: know. I don't really know. I'm trying to figure out what IBC root beer stands for.
0: International Brewing Company.
1: Very good. Thank you, Dave.
0: I don't know. I just made that up, but that's true. No,
1: that's probably right. Or maybe it's Ian Boothby's company. Maybe Ooh, it's my company. Yeah. Oh, geez. I wonder if I own that root beer company.
0: <laughs> check your, make it less brown check your portfolio. Brand. It just uh, might be the crown jewel of your beverage portfolio.
1: I am drinking a root beer, by the way, right now. I'm not drinking a lot of uh, sugared sodas right now, but I am drinking right now an old-fashioned style root beer. Nice. Ah, nice. nice um, work became very busy and the company exploded with new faces. Ooh, gross. Uh, I learned the <laughs> business inside and out. I was very good at what I did for the company. Uh, wanting a more structured agency department, the company basically laid, off, uh, laid us all off in 2004. Boo. And we were rehired by an in-house agency doing the same thing. Hmm. The only thing that really changed was the name on our paychecks. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> then in 2007, another in-house agency replaced the one I worked with.
0: Well, that's kind of fine, unless you're unless you're um you're you went back to like year one of being being a higher being an employee of the company. Uh, yeah. Because then you lose, then you lose, um, you know, like, you know, how most companies have like a, a like a step. Like, if you're there for a year, you get this, these, these benefits. If you're there for well, two years, you get these I'm benefits.
1: Here is the only thing that really changed was the name on our paycheck. Okay, so I that's good.
2: Those things were. Uh, uh,
1: without going into. Compli- oh, sorry. Uh, so, another in house agency replaced the one I worked for literally overnight, and we were all let go. Boo. Without going into the complicated uh, dealings that transpired, uh, let me say that what happened was uh, the most unprofessional and ugly display of treatment I've ever experienced. Uh, we were uh, fucking Order 66 like the Jedi in Revenge of the Sith and all out of a job. Oh, boo. Boo on that. By the way, let me just throw some advice over to uh, our friend Gina, uh, who is, you know, uh, of course, had her troubles this week. Uh, <laughs> instead of bringing up, you know what, do this like the Order 66 and return to the Jedi. Everyone, everyone will get what you mean. Eh, that's an example to use. You compare yourself to a Sith or a Jedi. That's better.
0: You <laughs> confuse me. Um, our friend No one's going
1: to get mad. No one's going to get mad. Anyway. I haven't uh, drank one drop of Dr Pepper since that day. Nor have I walked into the head- their head the headquarters, not even to visit old friends. I wasn't mad. I was heartbroken. I really gave that job my best. I'm really sorry about this. This sucks. Yeah. Uh, the word lately is the Dr Pepper now owned by Curry Coffee wants me back. Uh, They're starting over with a new graphics department and are putting word out uh, to any and all uh, former designers. Yeah, but they're going to put you in one of those pods. You don't want that.
2: That's what the (laughs) curry company does. Be like,
1: "Eh, Um, I I found out that the director who was there when uh, we were all let go is still in charge. So it would be like uh, going back to work for Vader all over again. And this Jedi doesn't need any more of that Sith. Ooh, man, that's. That's very witty, but I'm trying to figure out, yeah. So, the Jedi, and you're working for Vader. I don't know. I don't know if this is all scans, but I do <laughs> like where you're going with it. Maybe much better than Gina's example. Uh you were correct about how Dr. Pepper got its name. Uh, oh good. Yay! Good for me.
0: No, I was right. I was right. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Yay, need more, more of me. <laughs> That's named from William Golding. Um, I remember
1: having to watch some sort of orientation video about the company's history and then given a book uh, about it all. Here's what the legend is. The legend, the legend, the legend, the legend, the legend of Oh, Dr. Pepper. Um, a pharmacist named Charles Alderton created Dr. Pepper in 1885. Alderton worked in a drugstore in Waco, Texas, owned by Wade Morrison. Legend has it that Morrison named it Dr. Pepper after the father of a young girl he once in love with. All right. Nice. Hey. So say what you will about Dr. Pepper. I will. It's a poor man's Mr. Pib. <laughs> uh, I uploaded that. I loaded that bridge with dynamite behind me after crossing it years ago. When you mentioned Dr. Pepper 10, I remember that being one of the, the many misdirected and poorly handled campaigns, even though it was after my time here. When 9-11 happened, the local Dallas bottler wanted to do a commemorative can in which another bad idea, which was another bad idea, and a long line of bad ideas. On the side was printed the Pledge of Allegiance, with the words under God omitted and replaced with ellipses. People thinking back on this think it was uh, Pepsi that did it, but it was Dr. Pepper, more specifically the local bottler, Jim Kerner, Tim Turner, who had it designed millions of cans were recalled and the company took a bath on the entire project. You can read about it here and fully understand that Southerners uh, want both their God and their Dr. Pepper to go hand in hand, but not always in that order. And there is a link there to the article. Now, my question is, with the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, the under God, that was not in the original Pledge of Allegiance. That was added in the 50s when it was like, oh, we hate commies so much. So were they just going with the classic Pledge of Allegiance from back in the day? Or do they specifically just use the modern one and pull out under God and throw in ellipses? That would be my question. Um, All right. So Louise writes us, and it's always great to hear from Louise. My Favorite Vampire is... uh, Oh, you ever see that movie, My Favorite Vampire? Oh, that's a great film.
0: Mm, Um, I don't think I've seen that one.
1: Oh, it's a great film. It's... uh, I believe it's Cary Grant and a uh, uh, young Doris Day's um, sister, uh, Morris Day.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm more. F- I like the movie My Vampire more than that. Oh, okay,
1: sure, sure. sure. That's
0: about a young boy who's being bullied at school who uh, gets protected by a vampire who kills all the kids who's bullying. Yeah, boy. and then
1: unfortunately, that uh, the actor who played that character uh, found Twitter and again, <laughs> like,
0: oh, this is not. <laughs> Yep. Isn't
1: Harler still around? Um, <laughs> no, nope. probably not. Uh, Louise writes, "My favorite vampire is Eric Northman, mm. undead Viking, and owner of the bar uh, Fantasia in the Suki Stackhouse books by Charlene Harris."
0: Huh? Fond
1: of Spike from Buffy.
0: Oh, Spike's great. Uh,
1: yeah. Both uh, Eric and Spike start out as anta- antagonists to the heroines, but end up falling into a twisted lust-hate relationship with them. For a foreign actor in an American breakout role, I'll stick with the vampire theme and go straight with Alexander Skarsgård, who played Eric Northman in Two Blood, the TV adaptation of Harris's books.
0: I can't was, believe they didn't use the Suki Stockhouse name for, their, for the TV, show, TV series. I don't
1: know. What are you doing? Come uh, on, guys. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, his first English-language uh, TV series, but it was the first one I saw him in, and he left quite an impression. Oh, that would, we know what you're talking about. We get you, Louise, we get you. We know what you're saying. We get it. We get it. Least favorite vampire, Robert Pattinson's Edward in the Twilight movies. Okay, I wasn't in the target demographic, but in the books, he is angelically handsome and smart. Chris Roberts, your accent is just the right amount of thick. It is a truth universally acknowledged. that Canadian women find Scottish accents sexy. Just ask my outlander-obsessed sister, who is counting down the days till the debut of the travelogue series, Men in Kilts, a road trip with Sam and Graham on February 14th. Of course, sometimes we run across a production that doesn't tone down the brogues for a North American audience. This week, we're watching a murder mystery on Netflix called Retribution, UK title, One of Us, which was set in Scotland, One of Us. We want retribution, which was set in Scotland. <laughs> My mom complained that she couldn't understand what this one character was saying, so we turned on the closed captioning.
0: Ugh. Okay, if you okay, just here's a here's a uh, little little maybe a little known thing. If you go to subtitles, you can it'll 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 give you closed captioning as the default subtitle, but you can choose English in the menu for subtitles. And that will turn off the really annoying part of, of closed captioning, which describe, which is describing sounds which are occurring or, or describing things that are happening on, uh, that you can see. Because closed captioning, of course, is, is not just for subtitles. It's, it's also for people with disabilities to be able to enjoy television. But it's not so enjoyable if you are able to see what's happening and so, or hear it and you don't need those descriptions. So if you go to the, the, um, subtitle menu that has the subtitles in various other languages. It also gives you an English option which will turn off the closed captioning element of it. Just want to put that out there for people in case they didn't know it. Because mm-hmm. I hate closed captioning. I mean, I love it for people who need it. But for me who doesn't need it, I find it very annoying because I'm a reader, so I tend to constantly be looking down and reading things like door slams, dog barks, music plays, whatever else. Uh,
1: she also, uh, Louise goes on to write... Uh, I was doing a crossword puzzle, and the clue was the writer of "Cats in the Cradle." Hmm. Uh, that song is known in pop culture for making dads cry. <laughs> so, my sub question for you and the Sneaky Dragon listeners are: uh, What song makes you cry? That is a very good question. Let's throw that onto our pile of questions for the week. What song makes you cry? Used to be for me when I was a kid, I would ball to um, uh, "Seasons in the Sun." Oh, really? Make me cry like crazy, yeah. Don't know why, but it would. Huh. I, I'm trying to think of a song that makes me cry. Currently, can't really think of one right off the top of my head. How about yourself?
0: Um, Old Town Road. No. <laughs> I
1: I sometimes dance to that with this uh just dance uh video game I've
0: got. Here. I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't. I can't think of one off the top of my head. I'm sure. I'm sure there. Are. Um, there's one called um. I can't think of the title of it now off the top of my head. Go on, I'll, I'll, I'll remember it as you as you uh, read the next the next letter. Okay,
1: very good. Uh, Edward Dragansky writes us, hey Edward's here, yay! It must be almost at the end. Um Edward writes, I'm still pushing the 2013 vampire film Only Lovers Left Alive. So I'm going to have to go with Tom Hiddleston and Tilda Swinton as the married uh, vampire couple. Adam and Eve for my favorite. Adam and Eve for my favorites. I really like this movie, and I think it's funny, uh, smart, and dark. It's not uh, what I expected it to be when my wife recommended it to me. As a runner-up uh, vampire favorite, I'd have to pick The Count from Sesame Street. And, of <laughs> course, uh, Edward, um, I don't want to have to correct you. Know, you know, you're not afraid to burn bridges, as I've learned from your Dr. Pepper story. Uh, so please don't burn bridges with us. It's Count von Count. Oh, really? He didn't go to, didn't go to Count school to just be called The Count.
0: <laughs> how do you know? Uh, I don't know.
1: He says, how can you not love The Count? Uh, he should open up a business uh, as an accountant that works at night. Yeah, that's a good point. When my stepson was young, he was terrified of the bats on wires that floated uh, around uh, The Count. I guess they looked real enough to give him the creeps flapping up and, uh, up and down. Um, I remember there was a joke that made my dad laugh. That was a Count joke. And he looked into a mirror and, uh, and said uh, something about the mirror. And then he went, no reflection on you, of course. And my dad laughed at that joke. And I was like, that's a pretty mature joke. <laughs> so, uh, so so it's good on the camp for that joke. Um, least like vampire. What's that?
0: I said, yes, very good.
1: Very good joke. Uh, least like vampire. Uh, the playing field is uneven here. So there's a great many vampires I haven't seen in film or television. I have to go with Edward Cullen. That is two for Cullen. From the Twilight films, played by Robert Pattinson. My daughter, Erin, dragged me to those films when they were popular. I feel like the last one ended about 12 minutes ago. <laughs> they seem so
2: long.
1: Erin uh, did read all the books, so at least the stories encouraged her to read. Yes. Twilight being behind him now, we'll see if Pattinson can make it as another Batman.
0: Ah, got it. Yeah. Mm? Ah,
1: I'm confused. There's so many. Listen. I'm a comic book fan. I'm a, I'm a superhero movie fan. But with, like, uh, what's going on? Dude, that's coming out. Okay, that's great. But what? There's, like, a, the Snyder cut. Is, we're going to see more of Ben. What's Is he going to do more Batman? Is How many Batmans are there? What's happening? There's so many Batmans. What's Batman? Anyway, I don't recall how popular he was as an international star, but when I saw Mel Gibson in George Miller's uh, the Road Warrior back in the summer of 1981, I was sold. I hadn't heard of Mad Max, George Miller, or Mel Gibson up until that point, uh, but they, uh, that was also the summer that Raiders of the Lost Ark was released. All that action and bombastic eye candy just seemed to fall from the sky that summer without warning, making Gibson very bankable for the foreseeable future. And then we got to the present, and <laughs> interesting.
0: Yeah. Um This is pre-Twitter, too, God.
1: I know, and I think, I don't think he knows how to use Twitter, which is probably for the best.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, I kind of shoehorned in the question of the week last week with a board game question, so I'll lay low until I can think of another. I will add two things to the board game conversation, though, after hearing the responses last time. Uh, my grandmother Dragansky played Scrabble quite avidly. She was near impossible to beat. Uh, this was a woman who would compete, uh, complete the New York Sun, uh, Times Sunday crossword in PEN! Uh, but we all tried and failed, uh, but had a good time uh, doing so. My dad used to do that as well.
0: Do you do do you do uh, crossword pen Dave? No, I do not. I I find find it too messy. I prefer to use pencil.
1: My dad would do, and he, it would be so neat. It would do, the handwriting would be so neat. There was like not any. I oh, don't know. It was like he just
0: amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's admirable. But I I uh, yeah. I just find that if you do it in pencil, I'm more willing to take a chance on a, on a yeah. on a guess rather than.
1: It just was weird to me that he could like like exactly like mm-hmm. no messing around. It
0: like, depends on the crossword. Like there's some crossword like we could easily do with a pen and not have any trouble at all. But you know when you New get York to New York Times
1: Sunday, when you uh, get to
0: the Sunday or the Saturday, the Friday Saturday crosswords are a little more complicated.
1: Yeah, I try the uh, Washington Post Sunday. Well, I, I do them every day with the Washington Post, but. Ah, uh, oh boy. When it gets near the end of the week, I turn into Mr. Dummy. <laughs> uh, but, the la- but sorry, Edward is not done, so back to Edward. My dad would never play the game of Life with us. We didn't own the board game, but one time when my friend brought it over and I inviting my dad to play, he said, Play the game? Who the hell would make a goddamn game out of life? It's hard enough to live it as it, as it is. Get out of here with that. <laughs> game over. <laughs> Wow. Strong words. I'll say. Strong words. Very strong. Sarah Walsh. Sarah Walsh. It's time for Sarah Walsh. <laughs> um, I don't have good answers to this week's questions, and the Chumbawamba playlist is mostly assembled, but I'm still tweaking it. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure, Gee, if this
0: are, band is so great. You think you could just throw together one right, right away, sir? I don't know. I'm kind of starting to wonder. <laughs> yeah, geez. Uh,
1: but if I didn't... Uh, uh, <laughs> But if I really uh, didn't tell the story of Grandma Bunny cheating at Uno, uh, then I guess I'd better do that. Yes. Grandma Bunny, real name Bernice, but everyone called her Bunny. Love it. We'll call her Bunny as well. Was a devout Catholic and a generally cheery person, virtually unflappable, with a thick Massachusetts
0: Accent. And <laughs> Wait a second. Was that, your, was that your Massachusetts accent? it's fun the same
1: Massachusetts as Massachusetts. <laughs> accent. And the patience
0: of a saint. She'd have patience Wait, I just, it's, But Pause. Hold it. Wait. One second. Stop. What is a thick Massachusetts accent? Massachusetts! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Asked and answered. Go on.
1: How much Massachusetts is there? Oh, a whole Massachusetts.
0: <laughs>
1: she was born in 1922. And she played Nintendo back then. I'm calling you a liar. <laughs> Actually, Nintendo did have uh, cards back then. It was card. I believe. Is that what it was? Was Nintendo the one that had the card game? Oh wait, am I thinking of is it like Atari? Or something? I think, I think you're thinking of Uno. Oh no, I'm not thinking of. Uno. Oh goddamn it! This is bugging me now. Nintendo. Did Nintendo start as a card company? Oh, you know who's yelling at me right now? It's uh, Nina. Nina's yelling at me right now. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. Uh, yes, it was. It used to be a card company. Started in 1889. So, yes, yeah, she could have been playing uh, Nintendo back then. Good for me. Good for me, Ian. Um, so, anyway. She was born <laughs> in 1922. I'll let you have it. And she played Nintendo. But you're not saying what system. She let all of us grandkids watch R-rated movies. Say and run free around the neighborhood as long as we didn't burn anything down. But one thing she didn't do terribly often was laugh. She'd smile, be happy, be visibly amused. But I have remarkably few memories of her actually busting out laughing. My two closest cousins and I used to play Uno around the kitchen table, and Grandma Bunny would often join in. One night, one or two games in, she started intermittently giggling. As we played, her giggling gained in strength. She was trying to control it, but it wasn't possible. We all asked what the heck was so funny, but she wouldn't say. (laughs) But soon, her face began to turn red. And within a few minutes, there were tears streaming down her face. We refused to continue until she told us what was making her laugh. I cheated, she gasped. (laughs) Not one of you caught me. I put two green fours down on a blue eight. So that was pretty much the end of Uno that night since we all fell apart laughing at the absurdity of Grandma Bunny's cheating and her complete failure to play it cool afterwards. Great story. If police were called, she was taken away. <laughs> and she's in jail to this day.
0: <laughs>
1: I added the last couple of lines there.
0: Oh, didn't, I didn't realize that.
1: RJ, RJ is okay. It's time to start with RJ. Um, I'm not a huge horror uh, vampire fan. I suppose I'll take the schmaltzy delights of George Hamilton, followed by the mid-'90s comedy stylings of Leslie Nielsen in Dracula, Dead and Loving It. Damn, that sounds like a solid movie night right there! (laughs) With regards to an international debut in Hollywood, I don't know if I'm stretching the rules on this, but Edward Fox's performance in MGM's The Day of the Jackal from 1973 really stands out. Yes, Edward Fox was and is... Primarily a British star, and yes, most of this film is shot in France, and Harley feels very MGM. His performance is so great, though, and very, very subtle. In fact, most of the film uh, has that early 70s casual nonchalant vibe. There's no score or soundtrack to speak of, and the dialogue is intentionally sparse, with the sounds, uh, loud sounds of traffic overriding character speech in many
0: scenes. But Mi- it's mixed that. by Christopher Nolan, I guess.
1: Yeah, but it's that lack of severe, overstyled filming paired with a very tense script, and it really works. Yeah, it could use more. <laughs> Edward Fox's wardrobe is at first equally unremarkable, but at the same time, really interesting. That's both things are opposite, sir. <laughs> Lots of subtly dramatic proportions and styles popular in the early '70s Anglo-Franco tailoring. Which don't jump out at you and slap you across the face, but when examined closely, are remarkable. I can't help but feel the mirrors. Uh, this mirrors the film, and it's really a wonderful suspense affair for anyone to check out. I have not seen it. I will now. Speaking of suspense,
0: I've seen it. It's it is a good film. Okay. Dave. Hmm.
1: Speaking of suspense.
0: <gasps> what? The radio show? I am in Speaking suspense. Speaking of
1: suspense, <laughs> I was so surprised at the last of Sheila wasn't uh, mentioned when you guys were discussing Richard Benjamin, especially when 70s sun-kissed bombshell uh, Diane Cannon was also brought up. Mm. I had the great fortune to see them both uh, live at the Egyptian theater in Hollywood about a month before the first lockdown hit last year. Oh, that is very cool. They introduced and stayed for Q&A after screening this underrated cult gem, which also uh, filmed in 1973 and also in France. Coincidence? Actually, yes.
2: I'm
1: (laughs) going to say we. The Last of Sheila is a wonderfully acted and ingeniously scripted whodunit in almost an Agatha Christie drawing room murder style. You know what? Scratch my earlier idea for those two dumb Dracula movies at the beginning. Set aside a night, make yourself some popcorn and watch Day of the Jackal and The Last of Sheila in that order So good. (laughs) James Coburn's blow-dried hair defies gravity. James Mason delivers solid Anglo jabs. And the ending sports one of the wildest Chekhov's gun I have ever seen. (laughs) That said, my suggestion for a future question of the week is to name your favorite uh, anachronistic drawing room murder film. In other words, a film which is clearly Agatha Christie-inspired but takes place or was made in a far flung decade lives out would be a good example but my suggestion is absolutely the last of sheila enjoy <laughs>
2: there
1: we go so that is uh, another question there we are uh future do you want to have that one this week or do you want to save it for another week
0: yeah let's save it for another week i just want to say uh, I say that. uh rj uh, was kind enough to follow me on instagram he will be very disappointed the way but thank you for following me rj but i followed him back and i was not disappointed because rj is a uh i guess it seems like i don't want to say this for sure but it seems like he is a hobbyist tailor who makes his own suits and oh. and so yeah it's kind of interesting they're really really nicely made they're really nice looking anyway he does he does say some of them are not not great but uh so i don't want to i don't want to like I'm just being ignorant when I say they look <laughs> I have no I have no idea what what makes a great suit or whatever but they look really nice. So so yeah, it's really kind of cool. So um uh, I saw your stuff RJ and I was really impressed. Cool? What I'm saying. So we got a few we have a few um um, um emails. So let me let me dig out the old the old uh
1: I'll turn me on, dead man. Let's hear it. <laughs> so this You're is from me with
0: suspense. <laughs> yeah, I'm so Spence. Brought to you by Gallo Wines. (laughs) Um, Dear Ian and David, this is from Jonathan Bampton. Our Australian listener, who I like to point out, is a two-time winner of the question and answer episode. Fix! Fix! The fix was in. Dear Ian and David, hope the leaking roof situation is better, Ian. Is it better?
1: Yeah, everything was fine.
0: Cool, cool. I was in a, I was in a similar situation a few years back, and it was horrid. Our landlord, the body corporate, and my upstairs neighbor were all content to shirk the issue, each not wanting to involve their insurer. We were left with those industrial snail fans blowing day in and out for almost a week. We ended up unilaterally terminating our lease. Thankfully, the legislation and ultimately the landlord were on our side we all pray no artwork or drawing proofs were damaged and all is getting better god on a later note david we haven't heard about the chickens in a while what's the deal oh well, that Chick what
1: Tock. chick-tok chick-tok
0: that's right uh the chickens well they are doing great but they are absolutely confused about what the heck is going on right now cuz it is so cold they have not experienced this cold before they have had it easy for the last time, the last, since they were born. I guess they came to us in the summer? I don't think we've had them okay. two years, have we? Anyway, this is the first like really big cold snap we've had, and they are not liking it at all. They are, oh. hanging, they are hanging around their uh, their chicken coop where there's a, a he- heating lamp inside it for them, and so they, they like that a lot. But they have upped their egg production, so they're in, they're in my good books. Before, I thought all they were giving us is poo all over our uh, patio, but nope, they're also giving us eggs, so I will put up with the poo for free eggs. So,
1: uh, about how many eggs
0: do you get a week? Oh, the last time we, Lisa went in there, with there's about 10. Okay. That's good.
1: That's that's a good yep. amount of eggs. Yep. All right.
0: Especially since Lisa's been eating a lot of l- eggs lately as part of some sort of weird diet she's trying to do. Okay. Um. In answer to last week's questions, my favorite film... Somehow he's made favorite film Red, so that's very... I like that. My favorite film featuring a popular international star making their Hollywood debut would probably be Christoph Waltz in *Inglorious Bastards. Mm. What a discovery. I would agree with that. He is fantastic in that film, but I'll also say that I've not liked him in anything else I've ever seen him in. (laughs) But I love him in *Inglorious Bastards. I think that role was absolutely made for him. No Country for Old Men featuring Javier Bardem would be a close second. I did not know that was his Hollywood debut. Mm. Was that? No, I guess it was. Uh, I know I should probably, wasn't he in Vicky, no, isn't he in Vicky, Victoria, Barcelona? Oh,
1: Vicky, Christina, Barcelona was later.
0: Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I know I should probably stick up for Australasian thespians. Australasian? I know I should probably stick up for Australasian thespians. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he wrote, so I'm going to read it. Who sure. make, it, make it big stateside, but they always seem to need at least one or two flicks to find their stride. Ten things I hate about you, and the quick and the dead have their fans, but they aren't particularly standouts for the range of Heath Ledger and Russell Crowe, respectively, are they? No, that would be a knight's tale.
1: Yeah, there you go. It says strong words, strong wrong words.
0: Yes. <laughs> I just love. I just remember everyone's outrage when Sony put fake reviews on the uh, poster for that movie. <laughs> My least favorite film in that category, if you will indulge me to stretch definitions, would probably be Hang 'em High. For all intents and purposes, it's Clint Eastwood's first starring role in an American movie after he returned from his European celebrity earned in the Man With No Name series. Unfortunately, despite a great supporting cast, this movie is an utter sleepwalk, a by-the-numbers, almost-television pastiche of a spaghetti western minus Clint's mystic persona, or any memorable story. Yeah, I remember watching that film, and there's a horrible continuity gaffe where the woman's hair... Is being blown in opposite directions, depending which cut they use, like which angle they use in the film for her. So she'll be like one part of the film, the hair will be blowing in one direction, and then they cut to her conversing, and it's going the other way. And you're like, huh. this is a weird wind. for she on a seesaw? But I think Jonathan that movie was made before the Spaghetti Westerns. It was made and not released, but was released after they came out because of the popularity of those films. I might be wrong, but I I remember reading that somewhere, and I always believe what i what i read and i believe even more things that i read 40 years ago and can barely remember them and then they really i really believe them then <laughs> my favorite vampire is the australian taxation office am i right
1: oh zam bam wow
0: <laughs> yes the australian tax office unlike the canadian uh here at canada revenue they're great
1: Uh, Canada Revenue uh, Vampires. That's what we
0: got there. Just kidding. I'm a socialist in all but name. Oh,
1: so are we then? Ha 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 ha. What? This is a trick. This is a a
0: fucking trick. It's true. I don't see socialist in his name. Okay. My suggestion for the sub-sub question, were you ever asked a question that was so profound or essential to you that it caused you to change your perspective or attitude in life? And what was it? Mm. Keep it up, cool dudes. P.S., Correct me if I'm wrong, but Ian hasn't been on listening party yet, has he? That's true. No. And nor will he. (laughs) He has no interest in being on. No, that's
1: not. Well, that's not necessarily this no interest. Uh, It would be tough because we can't be in the same room.
0: That's true. That's true. So
1: we got that. We got that going on.
0: Uh, And uh, yeah, I got an an odd
1: relationship with music. Yeah, a lot lot of odd relationship. So yeah, it's weird.
0: We You listen to a lot
1: of it. You listen to so much of it. I do. Yeah. In, on uh, the listening party.
0: Yes, that is true. Yeah, you have to. Uh, you do have to. You have to spend some time with the music. It's yes. Yeah, and because uh, what I do with yeah. Mary is I give her a CD of the songs for for and like like so she gets the songs a couple of weeks before each show, and then she's expected to like immerse herself in it, which she occasionally does. So I don't yeah, know.
1: I have a hard time being uh, passive listening to music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like to as like if I'm listening to music unless it's like like an oldies oldies station i can just mm, in the background yeah Uh, i'm like mm, i'm I'm actively listening to it to the point where it annoys me and i get mad so yeah
0: (laughs) that's funny because yeah for me music is definitely like a background thing like i love to have it on when i'm doing other things and and the test of songs for me is if they attract my attention while i'm like so engrossed in something else and that'll often happen i'll be like you know reading or working away on something and my mind will be like a million miles away as usual and then something in the song will like kind of drag my attention of what for away from what i'm doing and i'll be like what is going on with this song this is this is this is great oh my god this is so good i gotta start again in the beginning so yeah it's always a good test um
1: i do i do really like uh i like singing a lot mm-hmm. i like musicals all right i like that kind of stuff and yeah, i am sure. uh Right now, as I say, I'm exercising with like some, some dance video games. So Good, good. You know, I, uh, when uh, when the, the people can't hear me, I'll sing along to the songs as well.
0: All well, I have and to say of- is, I don't believe you. You should sing more on the show as evidence. I think I sang a couple of
1: times in this episode. <laughs> I'm thinking about
0: this. Well, I guess that was a million miles away. No, I know you did. I was, that was a joke. It was a joke because you did sing, and I was pretending that you didn't. Yeah. Okay, we have one more email from Mick yeah. Elliott. Our friend McElliot. Sender of chocolates.
1: Oh, such good chocolates.
0: Mmm. Hey, chaps. Hey. Re, that means regard, regarding. My thought that Jonathan Price is miscast in Brazil. I wasn't really aware of him as an actor when I first saw the film in the late 80s. Oh, so that answers my question. So I won't read anymore. Though I've seen him in many films since, he is a brilliant actor. And though he delivers a great performance uh, as Sam Lowry, I always felt the romantic aspects of the role didn't quite fit his on-screen persona mm-hmm. i never quite believed that the character of jill kim greased would really be attracted to him price might have been better suited to the Mi- uh, michael palin role of the villainous jack lint potentially oh. palin could have been the lead i think palin was a little too old at that point to play that character to play, to play the na- naive sam but yeah it's hard it's a hard one to retrospectively recast, though, as the mid-'80s were a bizarre time for leading men. Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Chuck Norris, Michael J. Fox, Chevy Chase and Harrison Ford were among the biggest stars of the time, and I somehow can't see any of them in the role. But to be fair, Jonathan Price was not a big name, so if you wanted to recast the film, you could choose someone who wasn't necessarily a big star, because that's not what Terry Gilliam was looking for anyway. He wanted sort of a... a, a fresh face that we could kind of imprint ourselves on in the in that part the character is an underdog but the audience needs to sympathize with his dreamy dreamy romanticism maybe an eric the viking era tim robbins or a starman oh. era jeff bridges i think jeff bridges is too po- powerful a personality but i think tim robbins would be a very good choice of that time period A kind of gangly lanky character would be would be kind of good and you could have a, you could kind of incorporate a lot of him hitting his head on ducks. <laughs> because of all the air ducks everywhere in the movie. Uh, or even a young Daniel Day Lewis who was in My Beautiful Laundrette the same mm. year. Those are all good choices. I mean, there's lots, there's, I think there's a myriad of actors you could choose from from that time period too. Anyhow, or anyway, he says, anyway, they don't say anyhow in Australia. <laughs> they say anyway. Anyway, I love the film for its art direction and the depiction of the absurdity of bureaucracy. Re-Vampires, surely Mr. Burns is the best. Oh, in that Trios of Horror one. That is yeah. a great one, yes, for sure.
1: I got the action figure, yeah.
0: Future question of the week. What is the strangest pet you've ever had? Oh. Mick. Well, thank you, Mick, for that. We appreciate emails, because then I get to read something. That's fair. Right, yeah, Ian? Yeah,
1: there's quite a few. We had a, we had a lot of letters this time around. Yeah, was it was nice.
0: nice. Yeah, super nice. Oh, so, I uh, appreciate
1: it. We, uh, we got a lot of... Um, uh, good questions for future episodes, so we don't have to think.
0: We don't have to think at all
1: because we get to the end of the episode and we're like, I don't know.
0: So yes, know. our question of the week will be the one that Ian thought of earlier about replacing an actor or a show, a character from a show. But you know, let's make it a movie as well because we could. Sure, we can, re- we can do Brazil, for instance. <laughs> there you
1: go. Yeah, yeah, or you know,
0: or whatever I'll, movie uh, you'd like. If you think yeah, there's a yeah, movie that
1: except Broadway musicals. Well. Mm-hmm. So uh, so yeah, and here's how you contact us if you want to. So we got that one question. Are we just going with the one question of the week, then.
0: I'll choose one of one of our listener suggestions. Okay. I won't. I won't say which one it is now. We'll. We'll. we'll it'll be on the check, web. it will be on the website. website. Yeah, look okay. on the website.
1: So uh, here's how you um, respond to us. Is oh, uh, no, it couldn't be simpler. You can go to sneakydragon.com, and there we've got every episode of our show. In fact, every podcast we've ever done. Uh, and underneath each episode is a message board. You can post there. Uh, we, uh, we 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 you know, do most of our reading of letters from there. Mm. But if you like to email, as many people have chosen to do, uh, they just go to SneakyD at SneakyDragon.com SneakyD at SneakyDragon.com If you want to be a weirdo, uh, go to Sneaky underscore Dragon on Twitter. No one does that. Why don't you start it? We'll go, (laughs) what? Um, So yeah, Sneaky (laughs) underscore Dragon on Twitter. Or you can go to Tumblr. I mean, really be a weirdo. Go on Tumblr. (laughs) Holy cow. What? People are on Tumblr still? Tumblr. <laughs>
0: I just got an email from Tumblr telling me that we've been nine years on Tumblr.
1: Ah, then the precious memories we have of
0: Yes. Tumblr.
1: Precious memories. Sorry, I'm saying
0: Precious um, memories.
1: So those are some uh, good ways of contacting us. Here come some plugs. Dave and I work on, like Dave was mentioning that he's working on uh, Sparks right now. I what am. What he's talking about is the third book in the Sparks series of books by Scholastic's Graphics line that is written by myself, that is colored by David, and that is uh, drawn by our friend and third dragon, Nina Matsumoto. Uh, there are three books in the series. Two are currently out. One is called Sparks. Just Sparks with an exclamation mark. has <laughs> won awards. It has been a best-selling book in Canada, uh, as has our uh, follow-up book, Sparks, exclamation mark again, Double Dog Dare. Uh, Also a best-selling book here in Canada. Has not won awards yet. Maybe it will. Who knows? And uh, Dave is currently working on the third book. I can't tell you the title of it. Uh, No, I'm not doing that.
0: (laughs) I can't Uh, either because I don't know it.
1: (laughs) So you can either, and if you want to uh, go to our website for Sparks, that's sparkscomic.com. If you go to sparkscomic.com, you can find uh, uh, links to um, T-shirts that Nina has designed, Mm -hmm. including ones for Sparks that are quite good. In fact, you don't even need to get a T-shirt. You can get, you can get like a mug. You can get like a, a mask to wear for mm-hmm. the pandemic and save your damn life. Get three of them. Triple mask yourself. There you go. Be safe. Do that kind of stuff. Uh, I also have a, uh, uh, I say a series. There's only two of them. Uh, two uh, book uh, collections of my image comics comic. Exorcisters that are out that I do with Giselle Legacy, um Very good. and uh, those are available at local bookstores or wherever you get books. It is Exorcisters. The first book is called "Damned If You Don't," and the second one is Exorcisters Kick at the Darkness. Now, uh,
0: but not damned if you do, which is strange to me.
1: No, it's true um, <laughs> because you're going to get help from them, and if you if you do get help from them. You'll be okay, but you're damned if you
0: don't. Oh, got them, it. I got it. People I, get out of hell. I see. We're undercutting their, their roles. That's right.
1: Uh, we also mentioned Sorry. hellkitty.com earlier. That is my website. And my wife and I uh, do a online comic book there called Super. If you go hellkitty.com slash super or just go to hellkitty.com, that's clear where Super is. There's a pay-what-you-want uh, digital uh, comic there. And she is best known for – well, she's best known now for her editorial cartoon. Uh, but we worked together on Mad Magazine, and we worked together on New Yorker cartoons. But she's best known, probably, for uh, Why the Last Man, being the co-creator and uh, artist on that, which is uh, going to be a uh, FX uh, TV show shortly, and uh, they're working on that right now. So that's uh, neat. And one more thing, because there's enough more Uh boy, we also have a soon-to-be, um, uh, I will say, syndicated uh, comic uh, coming out, as in comic. You know, single panel gag, haha, comic uh, <laughs> from Go, and you'll go to Go Comics online where it has all the comics. That's all the comics, all the hilarious comics that make you laugh and make you think. Uh, and starting on the 22nd of February, uh, Mannequin on the Moon, a uh, comic that uh, P and I put together, will be part of the Go Comics family. So I'll tell you more about that as we get closer to that. <laughs> and that's what I've been up to.
0: Cool. That, yeah. and let me just say that uh, I really enjoyed super a lot it's really fun oh, thank you. and uh, but don't just take my word for it also take the sultry voiced Chris Roberts word for it who gave it a a big big yes a big big it's great last in the last episode so thank you so much you that guys should great. head over to hellkitty.com yeah. and with the
1: art by uh, our friend uh, Mor who's very good uh, as well very, so very good. Yes.
0: yeah well worth. Well worth a look, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad that I I own a copy of that.
1: Yay! I'm glad you you too. <laughs> uh, so we are recording this on Friday, and we have now crossed over into Saturday. That's how long we've been talking.
0: So uh, I <laughs> need to go. We did start a little late today, but yes. I
1: need to go make some very very late night dinner. Uh, so thank you so much for listening to our show. We really do appreciate it. Uh, and uh, as always. Please uh, keep yourselves safe. We're gonna all get through this. We appreciate your patience on the weird audio quality as we do this, uh, <laughs> and we will all be back together uh, in person together at some point in the future. And uh, looking forward up, to it. This this year uh, is our 500th episode, so we're making plans <laughs> for
0: that as well. I sent I sent Ian a screenshot of my 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 day planner with the uh, with a day on it, so I know it. We know a day it comes out anyway.
1: Yeah, we started this podcast when we were both teenagers and now, <laughs> now it's this.
0: We're now wizened old men.
1: Yeah. Oh, we're so wizened. You can tell by us talking about, again, soda pop for about a half
0: hour.
1: <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Take care of yourselves. Keep healthy. I've been Ian. I've been David. And this is Sneaky Dragon. Sneaky Dragon. Snicky Top dragon. of the morning to you.
0: <laughs> Top of the evening.